Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the bowl games are all set. The Utes are playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, as we expected. A massive accomplishment for Utah. A huge step forward for the program. Well, maybe one day they'll they'll be a playoff or something that dwarfs it. But, man, the first Pac-12 conference title, New Year's, Ohio State. One common opponent, Ohio State lost to Oregon at home and the Utes beat Oregon twice, although Ohio State is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. You're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham and Ryan Day talk about the the Rose Bowl. They had a Rose Bowl press conference yesterday, and you'll hear that coming up in our next segment. Um, It's interesting because Urban Meyer coached at, at both schools. Both guys worked for Urban closely. His imprint will be on uh you know in different ways on on both of these teams obviously he was at Ohio State much more recently and recruited some of their players so it's a different deal at Utah but there's no question he helped change the trajectory of things it's uh it's Ron McBride Urban Meyer Kyle Whittingham three big hires in a row everyone has changed the trajectory of that program from a mediocre to also ran in the WAC to a winner in the Mountain West and a champion in the Mountain West and now the Rose Bowl heck of a story heck of a 30 year arc uh, as Utah football just keeps growing. So we'll get to that coming up. Uh, we'll hear from them next. Also, we've got the best of the Jazz postgame show later this hour. The Jazz win in Cleveland. They shoot the three very well. They do a great job on the offensive boards with 14. Now, they did give up 16 offensive boards, and they did have 17 turnovers. It wasn't a perfect game. But when they really struggled to score in that final minute and a half, they defended, and they got out of there with a one-point win. And Cleveland is no longer terrible. Cleveland's got a winning record. They were playing at home. They're a good team. It's a good test. You know, you're the Jazz. You're sitting on the third-best record in the NBA. You are going to get people's best shot. And Cleveland gave them a good shot, and the Jazz found a way to win. So... 42% shooting from the floor. Uh, Joe Ingles was one of five. He didn't shoot it very well from the floor. Um, Jordan Clarkson was one of eight, but everybody else lit it up. And that's the whole point, right? Have five, six, seven guys who can shoot the three. And if a couple of them are off, the other guys are on, they got a chance to win. They needed all those threes. They win by one point. And Rudy Gobert, 20 points, five block shots, tremendous effort defensively and on the backboards for the Jazz. Just phenomenal and we love scores and we love points and we love you know dramatic threes and well he did have a big dunk I was gonna say we love big dunks Rudy got an offensive board late in the game and he spun in the lane and threw down a windmill left-handed dunk man if you try to go block that you're just gonna get your fingers broken on the rim that was that was something that that dunk was something Uh, also the Utes uh, college hoops that beat Cal yesterday, so now one on one in the Pac-12 uh, got the win at home over the Bears. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, Rose Bowl press conference. Kyle Whittingham, Ryan Day, coach of the Buckeyes, coming up next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. It's time now for the Rose Bowl press conference, and you fans just love the way that sounds, right? The countdown is on. New Year's afternoon. Pasadena, California. Here's Kyle Whittingham and Ryan Day, the head coaches of the two respective teams. The Utes coming in 9-3, Ohio State coming in 10-2, Buckeyes ranked 6th, Utes ranked 10th, but the Utes did beat Oregon twice and Ohio State did lose to them at home. So, here are the coaches. Hello, Recording thank in you progress. for joining today's head coach teleconference for the 108th Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One Venture X. I'm Karen Linhart, the Rose Bowl Games Marketing and Media Director. Following opening remarks from both head coaches, we will open up the floor for questions. 
The Tournament of Roses is thrilled to host the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Utah Utes in this year's Rose Bowl game. This will be the second meeting in history between Ohio State and Utah and their first matchup in the Rose Bowl game. I'm joined today by Ohio State head coach Ryan Day and Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. I'd like to start by asking both coaches to give an opening remark. Coach Day will go first, followed by Coach Whittingham. Coach Day. Oh, thank you. Um, first off, uh, it's an honor um, to be coming to the, the Rose Bowl. I want to thank everybody uh, involved with the Tournament of Roses, um, you know, the most prestigious bowl game in, in all of college football, and uh, very excited. I have a, a great opponent and tremendous amount of respect for, for Coach Winningham and his team and what they've done. Um, certainly know uh, that this is going to be a, a challenging month and a great game. Um, when we were out at the Rose Bowl uh, in, in 2018, uh, we played Washington. It was a tremendous experience. Our players um, really enjoyed themselves, and and they were excited to find out that we were playing in the Rose Bowl. So um, an unbelievable opponent, a beautiful um, setting, and uh, everyone here at Ohio State is just very, very excited about playing in this game and look forward to getting out there soon. Thank you, Coach Day. Coach Whittingham? Okay, to echo what uh, Coach Day said, we're, you know, everybody in Salt Lake is uh, elated to be uh, heading down to Southern California for the Rose Bowl. Obviously, our first trip, uh, you know, we're excited to uh, come down and, and uh, experience it. I've got a, a lot of buddies, the old SC guys have been to the Rose Bowl several times, and they say there's nothing that compares to it. And so we're, we're look, really looking forward to it. Uh, the entire solid community is, you know, we'll travel well. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that the community is very fired up about. Uh, we've only been in the PAC 12 about 10 years now. So this is our first trip down here, obviously. And, and, uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, Ohio state. I mean, what a, what a tremendous opponent. I mean, I've been doing a little bit of homework since I found out who our opponent's going to be. And there is no weakness. I can tell you that they, they throw the ball well, they run it well, they score, they defend, uh, you know, thousand yard rusher, couple thousand yard receivers, uh, uh, another guy on the verge of it. So, so we got our hands full. It's it's uh, it's uh, going to be a great challenge for our team, but uh, all our guys are, are excited about it. And uh, like I said, it's going to be a great experience for our players. And and uh, as I've heard, it's uh, second to none. This bowl game is second to none. So excited to be here. Thank you, Coach. We'll now open up a teleconference for questions. Please raise your hand to ask a question using the raise hand icon within Zoom. If and when your question is selected, we will unmute your microphone and say your name. Once your question has been answered, your microphone will be muted and your hand will be lowered. Our first question will come from Christopher Heidel. Hi, Coach Day. Thanks for uh, taking my question this afternoon. I want to make this really quick. I know you're out there in the Rose Bowl. Um, Coach uh, Sean McDonald is retiring from from New Hampshire. You know, I know you were his uh, quarterback and all that stuff. What did you learn from Coach Mack, and what did it, what did Coach Mack you learn from him to bring you out to with Ohio State? Uh, yeah, thanks for the question. I I, um, I got really my start in, in coaching, and, and certainly I'm in this profession um, because of, of Coach McDonald. Um, you know, played at the University of New Hampshire, where uh, he and Chip Kelly really mentored me. And um, shoot, football wasn't even my my first love until I got there, and then made it my profession. Um, he is a um, one of the best coaches I've been around. He's tough. He's demanding. He's loyal. And uh, had an unbelievable career there. And, um, you know, everybody at the University of New Hampshire, um, 
I know is very, very proud and also uh, sad to see him uh, step down. But congratulations on his retirement. You know, one of the best in college football. Our next question will come from Bill Rabinowitz. I have a question for each of you. Uh, for uh, Coach Winningham, what does it mean to your program to get to the Rose Bowl? And, and for Ryan, um, we remember when Urban Meyer put the whistle around your neck uh, after the game three years ago. How, how long ago does that seem? And how much have you learned, grown, <laughs> aged since then? Okay, well, well for us, uh, you know, we're, we're – you know, it's just a great opportunity for our program. Uh, it's the next step in the evolution of our program, uh, getting to the Rose Bowl, because, of course, that's most years uh, what the uh, Pac-12 champion gets to experience. Um, we've been in the Pac-12 championship game three years now, and this is the first time we've ever we've been able to get over that hump and get, uh, become the champions. And uh, it's, uh, like I said, it was the next next step and our next goal as a program. We, we've uh, only been at the Power 5 level 10 years now, I guess 11 years and uh, so it's just uh, something that we've been uh, shooting for and, and uh, had our sights set on for, for a number of years. And, and uh, we finally were able to, to get over that mountain. And, and uh, we're very excited to, uh, to have that opportunity. Yeah, and that was a, um, a very memorable experience in, in 18. Um, you know, it was, it was a, you know, a game versus Washington that, um, you know, it was a well-fought game. And I just remember, um, you know, jumping out early and, and our guys playing strong throughout that game. And then obviously afterwards, um, you know, being in the locker room with coach and, and that ceremony meant a lot to me. And um, yeah, I think that seems like about 20 years ago, Bill. Um, and I would say that I've probably, I've probably aged a lot. Um, a few gray hairs popping in and but that's all part of the experience. And, um, but, but very, very memorable. I have that picture up in my office uh, back in Columbus. Our next question will come from Dan Hope. Hey, Kyle, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, your team obviously had to deal with a couple of horrible tragedies with the losses of Aaron Lowe and, and Ty Jordan. And just wanted to ask you about, uh, your team's resolve to deal with those tragedies and, you know, how do you think your team has been able to overcome that to stay together and have the kind of success that you've had? Well, first of all, I couldn't be more proud of our leaders on our football team. Couldn't have got through it without those guys and the, and the, uh, the ownership that they took. Um, as you mentioned, we've lost two players uh, in the last calendar year, uh, Christmas day, uh, almost a year ago, uh, we lost Ty Jordan, uh, it was, uh, you know, the season was over with and we weren't together as a team. So we had to do a lot of the, you know, the team meetings by zoom and, and kind of get everybody, uh, you know, together that way. Uh, this, uh, the second player, Aaron Lowe was during the season. It was game three, game four. And, uh, we just, uh, as a football team, uh, you know, banded together. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a mantra, you know, we're going to, we're going to get through this. We'll never get over it, but we will get through it. And uh, our guys, uh, I can't say enough for the for our guys, and, and particularly the leaders, the captains, and the upperclassmen of how they kept things together. And and uh, you know the chemistry on this team just kept kept getting better and better as the year went on, and we became closer and closer. And and it was tough. And as a coach, you know there is no blueprint for for an event like that. I mean, you don't have a protocol or a way to handle that. It's 
it's uh, the most difficult thing I've ever been through as a, as a football coach, hands down. And, uh, you know, for us to, to uh, get through it and, and uh, you know, continue to, to uh, play at a high level. I mean, that was a credit to our guys. I think maybe the biggest uh, component to that or the biggest factor is Aaron Lowe, the young man who I mentioned uh, died during the season this year. His mom came and talked to the team uh, that Monday right after the, the uh, incident. It was late Saturday night, and she said that, hey, she gave our team – uh, you know, the blessing to, to carry on and that that's what Aaron would have wanted and that's what she wanted. And so that was a real inspiration to our team when she came and spoke to us and, and they heard right from her that, uh, you know, she she and Aaron expected us to, to carry on and, and uh, continue competing and fighting for a championship. Our next question comes from Nathan Baird. Coach Whittingham wanted to ask about uh, Devin Lloyd and the impact that he makes for you and maybe specifically even for a matchup like this. How do you get to use him as a weapon um, in, in the various game plans you put together for opponents that could vary pretty greatly in terms of, you know, skill and approach? Yeah, well, first of all, De- Devin is a special football player. He's, uh, I'm going to tell you, the best defender that's ever come through the University of Utah, at least in the modern era. You know, there may have been someone in the 30s or 40s or whatever that I don't know about. But but in the modern era, he is uh, going to be most likely, and I think without a doubt, the highest uh, drafted defensive player that we've had. He is uh, a guy that is a self-made guy. He came to us as a safety and a wide receiver out of high school. And we projected him a linebacker, and he became – uh, you know, a self just through sheer hard work and determination, uh, you know, one of the top linebackers in the country. Uh, his versatility allows us to use him, you know, as a, in an inside backer spot, which is where he's most comfortable. We can also bring him off the edge. He's done a lot of a, of a pass rush for us in the sub packages. And so he's got he's a guy that uh, really can do it all. He's got the size, the strength, the speed, the agility, you know, that all the big time players have. And so he's meant the world to us. And, and uh, of course, he just won the MVP in the, Pac-12 championship game a couple nights ago and very well deserving of that. Our next question comes from Joe McHugh. How's it going, guys? So uh, I have a question for both of you. So for Coach Day, uh, what was your guys' initial reaction uh, for getting selected into the Rose Bowl? And then uh, for Coach Whittingham, uh, after winning your first Pac-12 title for the Utes, uh, what's your approach coming into this game in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, we heard about 2.30. We had um, brought everybody together at, at uh, 2.45 and, um, you know, explained to them uh, what we were going to do in terms of a schedule for the next month. And, um, you know, the guys are excited to play in such a, a, pre- a prestigious bowl game and uh, with such a great opponent. So I know that they, you know, they were very excited about that and looking forward to getting to work here this month. Yeah, as far as us, you know, we've uh, we've had pretty good track record in bowl in bowl uh, games. We have a, a procedure a process that we follow and adhere to, and and uh, it's been successful for us. And so we'll we'll uh, follow that, uh, you know, just like we have all the other bowl games we've played in. We have played in a couple uh, New Year's Six Bowl, I guess they're called now, the, you know, the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl in, in years past. And so it's not our first rodeo in that regard. But but uh, we have a we have a uh, a process that we'll adhere to and we have not had the chance to have a team meeting yet uh we have one tomorrow at 3 p.m uh, i'm on the road right now recruiting so we'll we'll get everyone together and map out and tell them what's going on for the next uh, 28 days and and uh we've got a plan in place and 
And uh, typically our guys uh, do a really good job preparing for a bowl game. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to have to with, with Ohio State as our opponent. We're going to have to have great preparation to have a shot. Our next question comes from Josh Newman. Hey, Kyle. Um, in the day and a half since the win on Friday night, I'm just curious what things have been like for you in terms of um, ex-players reaching out, ex-coaches reaching out. What is What has that end of things been like for you? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, a great, uh, nation is, is excited. I mean, all the ex players and coaches I've, I've had literally over 600 texts that, uh, and I just finished today responding to every one of them. That was no easy task, but, but, uh, they're excited. Um, you know, I've been, uh, splitting my time between that and recruiting. Obviously I'm, I'm down here in Florida right now on a recruiting trip, but, but, uh, I can tell you that there's a lot of excitement from all the, uh, all the, uh, you know, ex-players and, and coaches that have come through Utah and, and uh, you know, the community, like I mentioned before, is is ecstatic. And uh, I think we'll have a very good turnout at the Rose Bowl as far as uh, Utah fans traveling to that game. Thank you, Coach. We'd like to remind everybody, if you do have a question, please use the, uh, the raise hand icon at the bottom of the Zoom screen to ask a question. Next question will come from Trevor Allen. Yeah, this is actually for, for both Coach Day and for, for Coach Whittingham. Uh, it's actually the, the same question. Um, what, what has Urban Meyer meant to both of you since you guys have both worked with him at your guys' stops? Go ahead, Coach. I'll wait. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, with this game, too, it just brings up some such great memories of, of what uh, he's provided me and my family and the opportunity. Um, I was down there as a graduate assistant at Florida with him during his first year. And then, and then came on, um, you know, in 17 uh, at Ohio State and, um, you know, never would be in this situation without him and uh, forever in debt for, for what he's done for my family and I. And, um, you know, when you just think back on those times and um, your legacy in college football, um, you know, I hope so someday that there's somebody that uh, I've done the same thing for in this profession because it's all about relationships. I would echo the same sentiment that uh, Coach Day uh, mentioned as far as uh, shaping me as a coach. Uh, I don't think I'd be where I am today if I had not had that opportunity to work for Coach Meyer for those two years. Uh, and I had the same whistle ceremony that, that Coach Day had, and that was a, that was a great experience as well. But, um, you know, it was interesting. I, I, would, I had been at Utah for, what, eight or nine years. We had a coaching change. I thought I should be the guy. Uh, didn't get it. I was very disappointed. Urban got the job. Turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me in my coaching career because I had a chance to to spend two years with with uh, with Urban and and just his day to day way he ran a football program and and uh, you know there was just everything was was mapped out. There was uh, you know an organization. Uh, is is one of his uh, strengths and and being able to see how he ran the program and and uh, being able to absorb all that knowledge and and the way that uh, that he did things was invaluable to me and and like I said I, I found out right away uh, that I wasn't ready for the job once I thought I was but two years later um, you know he had uh, I learned so much from him that uh, I felt very comfortable taking over and that's that's how it laid out that's when he went to Florida and I took over uh, in the 2005 season. All right, there is the Rose Bowl press conference with Kyle Whittingham and Ryan Day. And we will have more on the Rose Bowl coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. Coming up next, the best of the Jazz postgame as the Jazz win in Cleveland. A close one, but they defend and get out of there with a W. We'll get to that next. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz go into Cleveland and get a win to start this four-game road trip. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz pull out a win yesterday afternoon over the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road. 109-108, big-time performance from Donovan Mitchell. 35.6 assists, three boards for Donovan. 12-21 shooting, 4-8 of eight from 3. Uh, uh, Rudy Gobert was great. Didn't score a ton, six points, but had 20 boards and five block shots uh, for Rudy. Bogdanovich was 16. Uh, Rudy Gay had 15 coming in off the bench, doing a nice job as Jazz did not have Hassan Whiteside yesterday. Uh, Cleveland played a tough game. Darius Garland, a great player, 31 points, five assists, but not quite enough to Jazz pull it off in the end, 109 to 108. Let's get some uh, sound for you. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Tonight came down to one stop and you guys were able to get it. What did you see on the, the final possession? Or what, what are your thoughts on the way you guys were able to be resilient down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the last possession was, you know, collectively, you know, guys um, just locked in and, you know, got hits on the glass against, you know, a big team going to the boards. Um, you know, it was just a heck of a possession all the way around. Um, and that's the playing defense down the stretch is, you know, is going to win games. And, you know, that, that's a really good team that we beat. Um, you know, obviously they made plays to get back in the game. I thought we had a chance to bust it open a little bit and kind of a combination of us getting kind of, kind of sloppy, t- tired. I think we, we looked tired during the portion. Um, but we've got to, you know, fight through that. And then obviously they, they made some, uh, they made some big shots from three and, and Garland, he's, he's, he's really good. They go on that 15 hour run, as you said, um, what was kind of the key to weathering that and kind of just regrouping and coming back? You tell me. Okay. Um, you know, that, that's something that, that our team has talked about. Um, you know, I'd like, I think we all would like to not give up a 15-0 run, um, but that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is, you know, not, you know, allowing that to, to you know, to bury you, to, you know, to, as you said, to be resilient and, and bounce back. Um, I just thought we got more determined. And even, you know, Donovan makes a great drive to the rim and Mobley blocks it. You know, Boyan's got a great look from three, goes in and out. I mean, there was a number of plays that didn't go our way that um, would have given us a boost. And, you know, we, we, we hung in there and continued to compete. So it, it, coming east in an early game against a really good team on the road, um, it's just it's tough to win games in this league. And particularly with, you know, when we sputtered offensively in the fourth. Uh, to just be able to lock in and win. So it's it's a big win. Yeah, it, it, he he was dominant, you know. Um, you know, I thought there was a few times he went up strong and um, I'd like to see him get to the line more because I, I think he's he's finishing, you know, with a lot of explosiveness right now. Um, he had that one finish where he, you know, he dunked it over the top of somebody. Um, but he's such a presence defensively, and we've got to make sure we're helping him on, on the boards. I, I thought that, you know, there were some long rebounds late that we've got to scoop up. I thought that's when I felt like we were a little bit tired, and uh, 
you know, I thought we, we did have, you know, Royce got a couple good hits just mixing it up on the glass, but Rudy certainly, you know, they, everybody knows where he is. You mentioned before the game, the challenge facing a team that was three seven and start especially on a day like today with the shorthanded side. How do you feel like it generated that situation? I thought we did 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 a good job. I mean, I, I thought um, you know, we were, we haven't played that, that way small, so to speak with, you know, with Rudy Gay and Royce and Boyan, um, across the front line. And, uh, you know, I thought particularly in the first half, that group had some rhythm. I thought in the second half when we got a little bit tired, there's some moments where we were, you know, we were a little discombobulated, so to speak. Um, but by and large, you know, those guys did a pretty good job. It's, you know, matchups are constantly changing. You know, Kevin Love is big, but he's a very different player than Mobley and and Allen and um, and Markinen. So it's there was a lot of going lot going on in that game um, from a matchup standpoint, and coverage standpoint. So I thought we did a good job. Going back to that last possession, you and you mentioned how impressive Garland is Mike being able to stay with such a young and present player for that long possession. Yeah, I mean he, he did a great job. You know, he he locked in, and even when when he got deep, you know, I thought Mike was really didn't didn't get pushed off his spot. Where you know he's got the ability to bump you a little bit and shoot the step back or the floater. Uh, just really really good defense, one on one defense. It's a big big play by Mike. With with the with the sign out, I mean, what did you just think overall with the chance to be able to look at? It? A lineup with with uh, Rudy Ocho. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you never want you'd like to be at full strength all the time, but you know, Rudy Gay knows how to play, and you know, there were a few times we were able to space the floor and and uh, you know, open the lane. You know, that's where I thought we we didn't quite communicate well enough. We weren't as connected enough in the second half with some of those spacing situations, but we'll. We'll get there. You know, some of that again has to do with you know who's guarding you. And Kevin Love is up blitzing, hedging. Um, so I thought, you know, again, for for to be thrown into that, uh, you know, on, on short notice, so to speak, and that those guys, it's something we've we've looked at and talked about. But obviously, the only other time we've had that situation was when, you know, in OKC when Hassan was ejected. This is a minor thing, but just for my own curiosity, um, we didn't see the short stretches tonight where we had Trent coming in. I just wonder kind of what that is. Well, I think the first quarter ran so long, you know, that we were able to. To I, I don't know how long Donovan stayed in the first quarter. I think he played the whole first, uh, so we weren't able to get Mike, uh, Mike in. So then Mike's able to play longer and, and not have that spell. I had Trent at, Trent at the table at one point and then, you know, the same thing happened. The clock just kept going on. So we were able to get Mike back in and, you know, Trent's been terrific. It has nothing to do with him. It's just the way the game, the game went, um, you know, he's come in and had a, you know, really had a great impact defensively, which, you know, tonight, you know, having him take some pressure off Mike and Don guarding Garland would have been good, but um, just the way the game evolved. There's Coach Quinn Snyder, 109-108, your final Jazz win on the road over Cleveland. Let's now hear from the players. Let's start with Donovan Mitchell. Do whatever needs to be done to get one stop. You know, we 
they had a bunch of plays they could have came out with, you know. So for us, it was like just just be solid, you know. They set a screen switch. If you want to get over it, fight over it. Like, but just be solid and and rebound the ball. Like, you know, I, I can't say, you know, it may look on the stats, it may look like, you know, they definitely got a lot of offensive rebounds, but we worked, you know, we competed and trying. But at the end of the day, when you have three seven footers down there and it's me, Mike Royce and, and Boyan or whoever, you know, I mean, it, it's tough, you know, and we were able to, the last possession, you know, Rudy's down there grabbing 20 of them, which, which we needed. Uh, Royce down there competing. Like that was what we did at the, end of, at the end of the game. And sometimes you can do, we did a lot of, we did, we did some things wrong, you know, but we did some things right as well. And sometimes it's just about competing. Um, this could have easily gone the other way after a 15 point or 18 hour run or whatever, but we, we locked in, we did what we had to do. And, and that's what, that's what good teams do. It's not always going to be pretty. Mike on that last possession knocked out Garland, and it felt like it felt like it went on forever. He was up to like go in deep and come back out. Yeah, and as as he shot it, I'm just like, you know, you get you you flash back to uh, the past. Was it two in New Orleans and and um, Memphis? You know, but like I said, Mike did a great job the last possession. You know, communicating. They came up, tried to set it with Laurie Markin and getting getting over that screen. You know, being able just to compete. That's that's all it is. Just being just being competitors. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what happens for those 40, 47 minutes. That last minute, we really did a lot of things. You know, right execution wise, and they hit some shots. But you know, when it's time to to lock in, and you know, sometimes it's just a matter of will over over anything else. What can you say about a guy like Rudy, who, despite you know, scoring six points? Yeah, it impacted the game in a major way. You know, I think that's that's what he does for us. Obviously, we all know he's our defensive anchor, but, you know, being there on the glass, we're getting the ball, we're getting outlets, we're running um, in a game where Hassan's not playing. So it's really a lot, a lot of it. I wouldn't say solely on him, but a lot of that pressure is put on him and he rose to the occasion on, on the glass for us. And, you know, that's that's why he is who he is. And, you know, biggest thing I told him was just when you get the ball finished strong and you see what he did the last session, like I said, you know, it's a matter of will in those positions and those possessions. And um, when it mattered most, he got probably his most important offensive rebound and then the finish after, which really, I think, changed, you know, changed a lot. You mentioned that big run they had in that fourth quarter. What's kind of the process of regrouping after that's happened? Where um, is during when that's happened? Understanding where our mistakes lie, understanding, you know, there are a few times they got open looks, you know, some guys who aren't necessarily shooters hit shots. So that plays into it too. But, you know, coming to the huddle and just regroup, re regrouping, you know, and I just being like, look, all right, this is what happened, you know, addressing the problem and find a way to fix it, you know, and just being patient. And, you know, um, I think the the biggest thing is, you know, when, when you got Garland, you know, being taught by Ricky Rubio, um, that helps because I know firsthand, you know, Ricky's a hell of a teacher, but Garland's a hell of a player. And, you know, he's, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be really special. Um, talking trash from the whole game. And, you know, he's he's one of those guys that can talk right back and just, you know, joyful. You know, I, I respect his game. I will say that I respect his game and the way he plays. But, um, you know, for us, just understanding that we got to come in and, you know, just regroup, re regroup. We have a bunch of vets, guys who've done this, who've gone, who've, you know, it's happened. 18 or runs have happened for them in the playoffs for us. You know what I mean? So this was a regular season game, understanding that this didn't happen, you know, like, Rudy Gay's seen it. Mike's seen it. Joe's seen it. We've all seen it. So just finding ways to regroup. Because like I said, it could have went the other way and they could have kept going, but we found a way to stop it. This was our first time we get to be kind of by the bench so we could really hear and see mm -hmm. you guys interacting. How would you rate the level of communication and organization compared to other teams you played on? Just to me, an outsider, it looks exceptional how you guys mm -hmm. fix and communicate stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I think with us, it requires a lot of communication, what we do. I don't think a lot of teams, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, do what we do. 
Uh, I think we have a complex game plan on both ends. And I think it's to our advantage because we have such a tight-knit group. We can speak, we can talk, and continue to make adjustments on the fly. Uh, we have smart players um, as well. You know, a lot of that goes into it as well. So guys who understand how to make those adjustments. And then when you have vets, like I said, guys who've seen it and done it uh, on on a bunch of occasions, you know, just continuing uh, to have that communication. Um, and then, you know, for us younger guys, you know, like I said, we're, we're playful, but we're also, you know, we're eager and hungry to learn and hungry to continue to help team out, you know, whether it's playing, not playing, communicating, you know, we all want to help. Mentioned Darius's um, involvement with Ricky. Where else do you kind of see Ricky's fingerprints over this team? I think it plays into what I said about us. You know, re- regrouping after a timeout. You know, we went up 15, and you could—I don't know if you guys saw—but he goes right in the huddle and starts communicating to guys what he sees, what he does. Ricky and Ed. You know, I know them because they play with us. I know they have a. You know, Ed's talking to Darius while I'm guarding him the whole time, like trying to kind of like you know pump him up and whatnot, but also Ricky comes in the game and it's like, you know, he, he kind of runs things. He understands when to pick his spots, when to attack, how to find guys. Um, he made my job a hell of a lot easier uh, when he was here. Um, you know, just being able to just see and feel the game. Um, he's helped me with that too. Um, and I can see how he's helping, you know, Darius with that as well. You know, I think the most impressive play I think he made talking about Darius was the pass. He had to Mobley, you know, most guys when they have when they have it going in the fourth, just take it one on one and try and go. But he made the extra pass. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give all this credit to Ricky, but I can kind of I can kind of assume that that was that was Ricky right there. Just being able to, you know, understand the flow of the game. And he's teaching him and you see it. You know, you see it. Ricky has a I think he made a joke about this beginning of the year. He's a track record of, uh, you know, helping guards out myself, but um, Darius Collins. So he's, he's got a pretty good uh, track record. You guys got with this on now. You got another small ball over to the five. Tough night to do it against a team of three seven thirty. What did you see out there? Um, we did a lot of we did some things right, you know, but it's not going to just click overnight. And it's something we got to continue to work on. And like you said, it's, it's tough on a night where, like you said, there's three seven footers. But you know, there's things that are definitely fixable. Things that are easy to fix. Just got to come with come with practice time and come with feeling it throughout the game and you know also on the offensive end being able to feel out what we want to do and uh being able to kind of attack and, and get in the gaps and guy spacing rolling versus popping you know i can't say with play i haven't played with a popping big my whole career so now being able to adjust to that you know um being able to understand have rudy understand rudy gay that is or, or ep understand hitting the pocket and make plays because royce and i have the connection so it's just a matter of figuring each other out on the offensive end and defensively it's just reps um, I think we did a good job, though. Speaking of offense, Bill, 15 points in the first part What enabled you to kind of just get going? Um, just being aggressive. Um, when you have a team that's as tall, you know, as they are, you know, instead of attacking that straight from <clears throat> half court, you know, getting out in transition, making quick decisions, you know, making them have to guard you here as opposed to using their their size. And that's tough when we're stagnant at times, but just trying to push the pace, get going, and, you know, shots were falling. Um, so that helps too. There's Donovan Mitchell, 35.6 assists, three rebounds. Great game uh, yesterday from Donovan in just 39 minutes of play. Let's now uh, hear some more player sound. Let's get to Mike Conley. I knew it was going to come to him, and um, I've known JB as a head coach for a while, and I knew that there was going to be some kind of a slip and him getting downhill to his right. And we played it played it right, gun to, you know, turn his back and kind of pick up the ball and, I knew when he gave it up, he's going to come back and get it. So 
just tried to chase him and you know, apply pressure as much as possible and saw the time running down and tried to stay up as high as I could because I know that at some point he's going to have to shoot this ball and however deep he is, that's going to be there to contest it. And um, luckily he missed it. And, um, you know, at that point it's all about the guys in the trenches. And, you know, obviously I was at half court almost. And, you know, Rudy, Royce, Don, all those guys down there battling um, really saved the game because they, they could easily have tipped it in and, you know, had there not been too many bodies down there. So yeah, it's a long time. It is a lot of time in the NBA game. So, um, you know, with a guy like him who, who's patient and um, takes his time and, and really picks when the, you know, the right spots to attack and be aggressive, you don't never know. You never know when it's going to be. So, um I told him it was like playing against myself there for a little bit. Some of the stuff he was doing, so it was a, uh, it was it was a good challenge uh, for me and the team, uh, trying to trying to you know finish the game out and close it. Make you feel a little bit younger. Yeah, uh, they made me feel older. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it like? I guess preparing for a final offensive possession versus a final defensive possession like that. Um, they're very similar, the same. Um, you know, obviously, offensively, you're thinking about executing a plan, a play, um, getting guys in the right spots and stuff like that. And defensively, it's it's about knowing the possibilities. Like, they could do this, they could do that. We, we've seen two or three different plays they like to run, and we might have two or three different coverages for both. So communication um, at that point uh, in the game is huge. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just it's going to be a mano-a-mano, you know, you got to – win your matchup kind of thing because it normally comes down to that and guys just really fought and, and did a good job of, um, you know, guarding and finishing finishing the possession. Rudy, point six points back, but <clears throat> 20 years, five blocks, just uh, some incredible defensive What can you say about, you know, the team practice he's able to have on? Oh man, uh, we're lucky. We're lucky to, you know, have that luxury and a guy like that who is so selfless. And um, like you said, he doesn't need to score points to affect the game and dominate a game. And tonight uh, he even had opportunities when he caught the ball in the paint to, to, to go up and try to score when he hadn't had a few opportunities and said he chose to make a play and, and make an extra pass to a corner for a wide open three. And not a lot of bigs would do that. And um, defensively, we know what he, we know what he brings and his, you know, we build everything around him, and he cleans up so much for us. And and I mean, he's just been huge. See, we know that Rudy, you know, likes to be involved offensively. And sometimes on a night, night where it's not happening so much, to play like that offensive rebound and that down the stretch where it's that one, you know, where you see the pressure come out there. Yeah, you can you can tell you can tell when a play like that happens. You know, you know, a guy like Rudy who. You know, he, he does want the ball. He does want to finish. He does want to, you know, score points and have dunks and stuff. But when he, he's kind of been um, – when, when the teams are scheming against that and not allowing that to happen and to get one finally at the end of the game in a big part, I think it just gets him um, amped up and even more motivated for the other end of the floor. And and that's what uh, that's what he does. You know, that's what he does. What um, – you guys went up 15 in the fourth quarter and uh, 
it was a it was you know turnovers were an obvious thing. Um, we had some opportunities there to push the lead up, but you know they made a lot of they made a lot of plays for those those turnovers. They you know they were getting really aggressive and started gambling, and um, we weren't as solid and strong with the ball at certain at certain points in the game. And and um, seems like when teams get a flow like that and a rhythm, they don't miss they don't miss anything. They started making threes. They started making layups, and it's hard to guard and transition when you turn the ball over and, and they're getting easy ones. So I think it just kind of ignited them a little bit, uh, got the crowd back into it. And, um, you know, coach made a good substitution at that point and we calmed it down a little bit and, and that group got in there and, and kind of took control and kind of got the game back to where we needed to be and uh, allowed us to finish it. There's Mike Conley, 11 points, six assists, uh, four steals for Mike in the 109-108 win for the Jazz. Let's wrap up the player sound with Rudy Gobert. I mean, I think every every night there's an opportunity to – to work on a lot of different things and you know uh and every we saw it earlier in the season every nba team is capable of uh beating you in those close situations so it's really on us to kind of like focus on the moment and try to just try and do what we think is is, is best at that moment and uh, and then sometimes there's there are things that you're not going to be able to control but uh just put a kind of like put all the chances on our side. And I think that's what great teams are able to do. You know, end of the game, like, uh, you're locking even more. You, your physicality goes up. Your communication should go up. And uh, if you need to get a rebound, you got to go get it. If you need to get a, a block, you got to go get it. And if you need to score, you got to find a way to get a good shot and, and get a bucket. So it's, uh, I think that's what great teams are able to do. Can you take us through the last possession from your vantage point? Did I take what? Uh, the last possession from your vantage point. And what did you see on it? I think we did a great job. You talk about the last missed shot? Yeah. Um, I thought it was great defense. You know, I was ready to help. Uh, but, um, you know, Mike, everybody did a great job. Uh, you know, Garland was, was playing really, really well, and he, he tried to attack, and he... He hit Mike with a fake, and Mike was able to recover, and he was he didn't bite to the fake. He was back on him. Um, and then we pretty much forced them into a, a tough shot that he can make, but uh, we knew that... I kind of knew that after Royce before he was going to come down to a defensive rebound, so we just had to go and, uh, and get that rebound and don't let them get a tip in or, or, or offensive rebound, kick out three, and we did a good job fighting for that. Did you... Like you and Royce were saying that either in the puddle or when you were going back out before. Yeah, when we were right before the play, uh, I told Royce we gotta get that rebound. Uh, you know, you know when you when you lose uh, games because of offensive rebounds or you know, stuff like that, it hurts. So you, you, I know that in those situations, the rebound is, is really the key. Uh, if Garland makes a shot, he makes a shot. That's a, that's an amazing play. But uh, we know that. Uh, we're going to try to make it hard on him, and uh, and then we have to get that rebound. Speaking of rebounds, Hassan not out tonight. Uh, they've got a lot of big guys on their team, and I mean, you're battling down there to get 20 rebounds. What does it feel like sort of you were fighting through the trees all night to be able to get those? I mean, I knew that, um, I knew that, especially with the way they play, they have they start with three seven footers. I don't think it, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the only team right now that doing that. So I knew that uh, I was gonna have to hold it down even more. And and Hassan, uh, Hassan's very sore, so he couldn't play tonight. 
And uh, yeah, I knew it was going to be better, you know, and I just tried to wear the best, you know, be there, protect the basket. And and once uh, we've done that, we got to get those rebounds. And, you know, everybody, I think I think the guys did a great job fighting. Uh, you know, Boyan, Royce, uh, Donovan, everyone did a great job fighting them and, and, and you know, not let them get a position and then, you know, have to go and, and, and sometimes make plays and get it. What does it mean to you that you can play a game like this and only take six shots and 38 plus minutes to manage to kind of dominate the way you did? I mean, uh, uh, I love to win, so I do whatever it takes to win when I'm on the court. I'm not saying that uh, I enjoy uh, <laughs> not touching it, but, uh, you know, uh, no matter what, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what it takes to try to impact the game and help my team win. Do I want Oh, yes. You know, do I think? Yeah, of course. But uh, I can't be complaining on the court. Like, uh, I just got to keep playing the game, keep helping my team. And, uh, you know, and some games, it's never going to be perfect, you know. And you got to find ways to win those games and make sure I'm there for my teammates regardless. That said, you grab that offensive rebound off the boys to miss just under two minutes and be able to throw down. The way that I went, does that make that kind of play like that much sweeter? What's, what's the emotion going through you at that moment? I mean, the, the rebound is one way to get the ball, so I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just go and uh, yeah, just you know, when we went, it's funny because when we when we play the right way and and we move the ball, like it's easier for me to get those rebounds and. And uh, I thought it was a great offensive possession. You know, Roy's got a wide open three, and I, I was able to get a good position on the rebound. And uh, yeah, just play with my instinct. You know, and I know that Jared Allen is a is a great shot blocker, so I had to go to go up strong, and uh, and I did. There's Rudy. What a night for Rudy. Only six points, but 20 boards, five block shots, had a steal, even had three assists as Rudy played great. Jazz win 109 to 108. Next up for the Jazz, they take on Minnesota on Wednesday night. Tip-off will be at 6. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5. There is the best of the post-game show as the Jazz get the win at Cleveland. We will come back next with what is trending. All the headlines stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Picked up by Garland. Head fakes, drives to the lake. Gobert swatted it. Conley, three from the right side. Swish, Mike Conley. No, offensive rebound, Gobert. Spins back the lane, goes to the rack, and absolutely packed it with a left hand of viciousness. And the Jazz lead at 109-106. Garland shakes it, pull up mid-ranger, good. Eight seconds left, Garland resets with seven. Jazz by one. Garland dancing, fires, long three, no good. Rebound tipped around at the rim. Horn sounds, Jazz win. The Utah Jazz used defense at the end. Cavaliers can't score in the final minute. Can't score in their final three shots. And the Jazz get out of Cleveland with the 109-108 win. Defense PK at the end of the game. Actually, I think they stayed in Cleveland. They're leaving today. They don't play till Wednesday. They will still get out with a win. (laughs) 
I, I chose to leave. I mean, get out. I mean, like, that's just a negative connotation. And I don't appreciate that being, uh, you know, having a fond spot for Cleveland in my heart. But, yeah, it was, it was a fun game. And a lot of back and forth. What, a 15-0 run by Cleveland yeah. when the Jazz looked like they had it in control a little more, a little less than midway through the fourth quarter. But Cleveland's a young, exciting team, man. Garland and Mobley and Allen. And they got a little bit of a bright future, at least to be competitive. We'll see how far they can take it in the coming years. But for now, if I'm a Cleveland fan, I, I would enjoy watching that team. And the Gobert was just so dominant defensively. Oh, my gosh, man. And then he had the, the, the new shot, the Sky Jam. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. Sky the bench jam. clearly liked it. Yeah. I think Jazz fans everywhere liked it. One point He's a seven-footer. Yeah, that's where he can do it. <laughs> he grabs an offensive <laughs> rebound, spins, and just throws that thing down. The Sky Jam. Yeah, it was awesome. No doubt about it, man. And just so much space he covers. I mean, he obviously covers the basket, but he can get a little on the perimeter, and you can see folks thinking, uh-uh, ain't going there. <laughs> and just so impressive defensively. And, and that he wants to do that defensively. He knows he knows where his bread's buttered, and it's on that end. And he's got to contribute offensively, and he you know, he's trying and to do that. And a lot of it is dependent upon his teammates setting him up. You know, he's not going to be able to get the ball and do a whole lot individually. Uh, and Conley's very good at lobbing and all that stuff to him. But, yeah, I was so impressed with him defensively and how he can really, really make a difference. And and it doesn't necessarily show up in box scores, but it shows up in the win column. 20 rebounds. That's uh, at least his third 20-rebound game, and they won all of them. And he had the five blocks as well and how many more shots he altered. And, and as you point out, just people just didn't even want to try other times. Nope, not doing it. Jazz shoot the three pretty well, 42% on 48 three-pointers, a huge number, but playing for three instead of two, and all that stuff adds up and a one-point win. So they start the road trip with a victory in Cleveland, and Cleveland has been horrible the last three years, but as you point out, they are better this year. they got a winning record and sixth in the East, so that's a, uh, a good win over, uh, over Cleveland to start the road trip. And they don't play again until Wednesday. The Timberwolves in Minnesota. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Jazz will play the Wizards at the end of this road trip. The Raptors beat them 102-90. Pascal Siakam, 31 points in that victory. And the Rockets, a rare win. They beat the Pelicans 118-108. Houston now... 7 and 16, and they put together a win streak here after that terrible start. They've actually won six in a row now, so the Rockets pick it up steam. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utes get a Pac 12 win. They beat Cal at home Sunday afternoon, 66 58. Booth Gosh leading the way with 19 points. The Utes were down at halftime, but came out of the locker room on a run. Took the lead, and uh, they also defended the, the Bears. No buckets in the last four minutes, only some free throws. So the Jazz get the win, or the Jazz, the Utes get the win over Cal, who isn't very good, but there's a few not very good teams. There's a chance to win some games and get towards the middle of the league, and they take care of Cal at home. Yeah, you'll have to help me on that. I didn't pay attention. BYU beat Missouri State Saturday, 74-68. You pay attention to that one? 
There's a lot of football going on Saturday. Nope. Barcelo went for 21 in that win. Saw the score. Weber State stays undefeated. They are 8-0 after beating Portland State. And Southern Utah, like Weber State, 2-0 in the Big Sky after beating Idaho 81-75. They were picked to be 1-2 in the Big Sky, and they're both off to 2-0 starts. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. NFL, most of the big dogs won yesterday. The Chiefs have got a win streak going. They have won five in a row after beating the Broncos in the primetime game. The Lions finally got a win, winning on the last play of the game, their first win of the season. Kyler Murray is back and looking good for Arizona. Best record in the NFL, 33-22. He threw for a couple scores and ran for a couple scores. How come they're at my Cardinals now? Because they won. You just get them when they lose. <laughs> it's total front running in reverse. By you. Yes. Do you want to be your Cardinals? They can be your Cardinals. They can be my heroes. Could be heroes for the whole state of Arizona the way they're playing. We'll see if they keep this going. Ten and two and one of the two losses was without Murray, so they are having a great season so far. Steelers have been up and down. They win an exciting game. Baltimore scores right at the end of the game, decides to go for two with just seconds left. Ball off the receiver's hands, hits the ground. That's the ball game. The Steelers improved to 6-5-1. and one. And the Ravens, one of the few big dogs to lose yesterday. They are now 8-4. and four. Every division leader in the AFC is 8-4. and four. four teams all tied for the best record, although that can change tonight. If the Patriots win, they'll improve to 9-4. and four. They are at the Bills tonight. Good Monday night football game with those two. Separated by a half game at the top of the AFC East. Stats were a little better for uh, Zach Wilson. He threw a couple touchdown passes and ran one in. But the Jets couldn't convert any extra points. And the defense couldn't get stops. And the Eagles beat the Jets 33-18. And Tom Brady... Four touchdowns. TB12 looking good. Did throw a pick six. I guess that would be a fifth touchdown. Bucks beat the Falcons 30-17. to They are 9-3. They stay just a game behind. The Cardinals in the race for the best record in the NFL. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. You are back from Las Vegas, PK, where the Utes dominate Oregon in a strikingly similar fashion to the way they did two weeks ago. Up big at halftime, and they cruise to the victory. How electric was it inside the building? Looked pretty good on TV. Oh, yeah. It was really cool, man. Especially where I sat, you know, the press box side, which was the Oregon side. And that's where the Oregon fans are right below. And you couldn't really see them because they're down below you. You have to lean over practically. So the point being, the other three sides of the stadium, the two end zones and the Utah side, was just dominantly red. I mean, they announced a crowd of 56,000, and you would think that it would be at least 45,000 of it that was red. Uh, And then, of course, a lot of Oregon fans took off at the end of the third quarter. And uh, it was just absolutely, it was a home game, and it was just a glorious crowning achievement. I mean, the Rose Bowl is the best bowl game you can go to. It's, it's, It's inarguable. And they're going. It's the best game that you can earn your way in. The other stuff, I mean, the play, they, they vote you. You got to get voted in. You didn't have any votes. 
<laughs> Any freaking people decide in some boardroom? No, it's decided on the field. We kick your A once, we kick your A twice. And that's exactly what it is. It's the best bowl that you can earn. It's without question the best bowl that you can earn. And they earned it. They dominated. And in the drama around Crystal Ball, I mean, reading this morning, you know, he's got an $85 million off. He went four and three last year. What makes this guy and, and Phil Knight? You don't want to piss off Phil Knight. Think this is this is college sports we're talking about, people. And I don't want to piss him off. He's 83 years old, but I don't want to piss him off. And now can can Cristobal come back? Because he's upset. Phil Knight, who's donated and given over $1 billion. Let that sink in. It is so sweet to see Oregon get it handed to them. Again. It couldn't be sweeter. Any team. And it so happens to be the Utes. Good on them. And a lot of people, they, uh, they, they got at me. Did you get in your full frontal? Yes, I did. I said I was going to give Whittingham a full frontal hug. And I did. On the field. I said I was going to do that. The only issue was it was not Kyle. It was Freddie. (laughs) It was a Whittingham. (laughs) I couldn't get to Freddie. I couldn't get to Kyle. It was. They had a little cardened off, and he got near it. The little old dudes, get out, get back, get back. Not that I didn't try, but I saw several people try. I mean, I didn't need to be right there, but I was behind the little area, and where Freddie, Freddie was very emotional. Man, looked like he was crying with his kids, and then he looked at me and ah, and I was, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had an official um, introduction. He introduced himself and shook my hand. Two. Ben Seckler. Oh, there it is. <laughs> spoke with him for a couple of seconds there. <laughs> uh, spoke with his daughter. Very nice lady. <laughs> He's got multiple daughters. Probably Lisa. I have no, I no idea. I'm not. Dude, I don't run in your circles, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I don't go on private planes. I don't, I don't live the life you live. I'm just a schmo. Uh, <laughs> but you hung with Spence Eccles. He walked right by me. Introduced and, himself. Uh, I was talking. I've heard you talking on the radio. I'm Spence, and I know who you are. Well, <laughs> Doctor Petron, I was talking to him. Do you know, you know PK, and then, so he sort of did it himself uh, yeah, with uh, the facilitator there. But yeah, the, the, the game speaks for itself. All the other stuff is just fun to be there, of course. And I knew you'd fans would respond. Uh, I saw some guy said we'll be there in there uh, some some internet thing I saw we'll be in the Rose Bowl in mass and he spelled it I N M A S S so let's hear it for the Catholics <laughs> all right <laughs> get, get the priest get the nuns we'll be there get in to the mass. Rose Bowl <laughs> why wouldn't priests and nuns like the Rose Bowl <laughs> and then I was uh, you know it was a long on field ceremony as it always is for the winners and I'm standing by the south end zone and all these youth fans are leaning over and there's security right there and all these people are yelling at me carrying it on they want me to flash to you i said okay i'll do it but you will not put it on social media so i did it for him another guy he says hey could you say uh hello to my son and i'll video it i think his name is brian or something or bob i don't know brandon whatever and i said hello brian and i love you (laughs) (laughs) 
Everybody's in a good mood. Everything's funny, no matter how much the nonsense. <laughs> when you win, everything is awesome. And there's this, this little uh, security gal. She looked at me about 65, and she's looking at me like, I said, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm on the radio in Salt Lake. What can I tell you? <laughs> she's like, who are you, and why is this a thing? Yeah. <laughs> they got dozens of them yelling at me, carrying on. It was just a grand night, man, and, and good for them. They earned it. Kyle's a hell of a coach. All you people who wanted him fired because you didn't think he could get you where you want to go. I know. They've gotten real quiet on social media the last few weeks. Yep. All right. It's into the uh, Rose Bowl now to face number six, Ohio State. That's exactly what you wanted. You wanted the highest ranked possible team to show how good you are. You didn't want Iowa. You wanted Ohio State. And you got them. Now you can really have this opportunity to go show them. 3 p.m. ESPN, New Year's Day. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. The Aggies threw it. They threw it some more, and they threw it some more after that. Logan Bonner, 318 yards passing, four touchdowns, and the Aggies blow out San Diego State 46-13 in the Mountain West Conference title game. They win in L.A., and that earns them, in two weeks, a trip back to L.A., Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, SoFi Stadium, where the Rams and Chargers play, and they will face Oregon State December 18th, 5.30 on ABC. That'll be a doubleheader locally. BYU will play in the Independence Bowl at 1.30, and that'll be followed by that Utah State game. Win number 10 for the Aggies, the conference championship from a one-win season to a 10-win season. Turnarounds don't get much better than that, PK. Not at all, man. Complete and total dominance. You have to tip your hat, but I didn't think they could do it, and they did it. And you got to be excited for them to be able to do what they did. And, jeez, uh, you got to like their chance against Oregon State. Go go get that. Go get 11 friggin' wins, man. DJ PK. Hashtag BYU. Cougars drop from 12 to 13 in the final college football playoff rankings. Cougars will take on UAB in the Independence Bowl a week from Saturday, 1.30 on ABC. UAB's 8-4, and four, played a couple teams that were ranked at the time. Lost to UTSA and lost to Georgia this year. So they get another crack at a ranked team in the Cougars. And BYU favored in that game. Want to take a shot at the spread in that one? UAB, that's a little tough. You haven't been following them. None of us have. Actually, I have uh, my sisters. uh, They're not married, but they've been together for a long time. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, His sister is on, like, the board that played a significant role in getting the football program restarted. Oh, really? She's a, a university employee at U, UAB. So I followed all through him, and he told me about all this stuff. Oh, but a lot right. of politics there in Alabama. Yeah, and then what a blow it was. And nobody wants to see any programs, men, woman, child, who cares what it is, athletically be dropped, no doubt about it. Uh, so, I mean, it's a come down, but uh, yeah. The good thing is, for, for and I, I would put the uh, point somewhere around eight, eight and a half. That's nine. what it is. Eight. Um, the good thing, you know, there's, a, there's an end on the horizon. If this was like year five of a 12 year independent run, I could see where BYU fans would really, really be down because you didn't even get the best team out of the thing because their conference can decide the team must stay local and all that. I understand why they did what they did and it's 
what, five or six hours away from uh, UAB? Frisco. UTSA yeah. is going to uh, a game up in Frisco, which yeah. is a little north of Dallas. Right, and I meant for UAB. It's a yeah. geographically closer. So I, I get why they would do that. I don't know that I see much of a difference. and I, But I understand why BYU fans would be let down because you thought you had a shot. I didn't think you had a chance at the New Year's Day. Outside chance of the other one, but... Uh, that didn't happen either. So go win the game, whoever decides to play or not play, and and away you go. And the good thing is, you know, you got one more year of this, and then you can you can step up. All the uh, New Year's Six stuff that was all set up by the Power Fives to benefit the Power Five. So in a couple of years, when you're in the Power Fives, maybe it'll benefit you. Yeah. Right now, it obviously doesn't. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Playoffs are set. Alabama, after blowing out Georgia, is the number one seed, and they are going to play undefeated Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. Michigan and Georgia will meet in the Orange Bowl. And there you go. There's your New Year's Eve and New Year's Day semifinal games. Alabama and Young sure looked awesome. No Where was that? The week before, right? Or the month before? Certainly the week before. His arm looked like it was a cannon, and they were really good. Michigan did what they were supposed to do. They blew out Iowa, and Cincinnati did what they were supposed to do with a 15-point win over Houston. And with Oklahoma State getting beaten inches from the goal line, that pretty much set up the playoffs right there. Yeah, so, man, if you want to win your conference championship... Let's see, Baylor and Utah, they got one thing in common. The Spring Game Boy. Have him be in your uh, program for a little bit. The Spring Game Boy leaves, they both win. Charlie Brewer is now relegated to be knowing the Spring Game Boy. That's in honor of our friend here. Who's I'm across was. The Spring Game Boy. <laughs> SGB. And I just thought of that right now, by the way. That's funny, though. <laughs> Just before you make any proclamations, just check with me first. I will. I absolutely will. It's always my favorite thing to do. You can make them in soccer and basketball because you know more about that than I do. But over here, I tried to talk you off the ledge with Spring Game Boy. Anyone listen? Oklahoma hired Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables to replace Lincoln Riley. He now, you knew that was coming. D.C. At OU. Because I went to the bathroom last week, and I came back, and I can always see your computer, and you had his Wikipedia page up. Who is Brent Venables? Yeah. So you knew it was coming. Your sources. There were reports last week. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll wait for Mario Cristobal's decision later today. Let's see what what dominoes fall. When did we decide he was Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, and Vince Lombardi, and Nick Saban? He was 4-3 last year. Now you're counting last year? You've been saying last year doesn't really count. It does for him. They played seven games. It's not four. It's not three. Seven games is, is a fair amount of games. He played at Miami in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't give 90s. a crap where he played. What makes him big deal that they got to give him all this money and all this drama? And then and the Oregon, you gotta act like you gotta have him. What the hell has he ever done? Won the league at four and three. <laughs> no, he didn't. He only got in because Washington had the COVID. Asterisk. <laughs> it's true. Second in the division. And you're Oregon. 
And and, and then you got to you got to get a transfer quarterback from Boston College who isn't any good. And you couldn't go with the other guy? My goodness, they were miserable. We'll find out who wins and or loses the Crystal Bowl sweepstakes later today. Well, the loser doesn't realize they're actually the winner (laughs) because they can save a whole hell of a lot of money. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL loses in the Western Conference Final. Timbers score in the first five minutes and then... Bank a second goal off the post, off the keepers, backing in. And they get the win. They will host the MLS Cup, New York City FC, coming out next weekend. For RSL now, waiting for the new owner and the new coach. And what direction will they take going into next season? It was a heck of a run, but how many are you going to win on the road in a row? They had won four in a row. They would have had to win six in a row on the road to win it all. And it finally comes to an end. Tough week for you. Tough weekend. The Aztecs go down, and you flew up on your own to be a fan over there. And is not fly up on my own. Well, I know you had you had a pilot. <laughs> I understand that. And then I saw something. I was reading it. This is soccer for you. I think it. I don't know. Rusnak or somebody. Well, we got to decide soon because January will be here before you know it. Yeah, three freaking weeks. <laughs> That's when the contracts all end, December 31. The, the, the sport that never ends. It's like New York City. It never sleeps. February 27th <laughs> is the first game. Jeez. Oh, Enjoy a couple of weeks. We'll see you back here on Tuesday. Ready, break. Family on three. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Buck O'Neill, champion of black ball players during a monumental eight-decade career on and off the field, joining Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, Jim Cat, and Bud Fowler. Being elected Cott. To the, Jim Cott, sorry. It being elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on Sunday by a pair of veteran committees. Uh, of the two, of the six, excuse me, of the six will be enshrined only two, Tony Oliva, Jim Cott, both 83-year-olds are uh, still alive. So they will head into Cooperstown next. So Tony Oliva's going? Yes. Oh, sweet. Why is that sweet? Because my right across the street neighbor, his family is from Cuba, and he was from Cuba himself. Well, he was born in the U.S., but his parents were from Cuba. Spoke nothing but Spanish, and just absolutely, he loved Tony Oliva. Tony Oliva was when I was like ten years old. Tony Oliva was his guy. Because he was from Cuba, and he was one of their own. I mean, the family literally... It was like the, 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 the Lucy show. The dad was in a band in New York. You know, we only lived like 25 miles away. Wasn't the band leader. But they were from Cuba. Wasn't a perfect match. Yeah. Did Fred and Ethel live downstairs? How many similarities oh, were they just that? had a house across the street. Fred and Ethel lived... Uh, uh, I don't know where they lived, but they lived in New York, right? No. This, so, so he traveled in from Jersey... And I just, he, I knew all about Tony Oliva because he always used to tell me. And you know what was baffling to me? They had a dog. But the dog only, I couldn't grasp this. The dog only responded in Spanish. So, (laughs) 
Yeah, they, the dog spoke Spanish, and that blew your mind. It did. As a kid, yeah, I'm 10 years old. And wow, the dog speaks Spanish. Yeah. You know, if you told him to sit, whatever, blah, 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 all the commands you would give a dog were in Spanish. The mom didn't speak a word of English. When I would go over, and his, the boy's name was Nelson, and, and, and if he was sleeping, she would just put her hands together like she was praying and put it on her cheek. Just to let you know what was going on. Yeah, I say, come on, dorme, dorme, dorme. I get it. I speak Spanish. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, so he loved Tony Oliva, and Tony Oliva's always stuck with me all these years. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. We're joined now by Rod Rex, Lendright Mortgage. And Rod, everything changes all the time. There's new limits for 2022 for loans. Tell us all about them. Yeah, the new 2022 loan limits were announced just last week. And the good news is they went up by almost $100,000. So you can get a conforming loan limit up to $647,200. And most lenders, you can't get that until January 1. But with LendRight Mortgage, we can actually lock and close on those loans here in the month of December. So if you're looking to buy or refinance, you can do it with a conventional loan instead of having to get a jumbo loan at that higher interest rate. So definitely now is the time to act. You can still get a rate in the twos on the 16 to 30 year terms. And you can still get a rate in the ones on the eight to 15 year terms. So call us this week and we can actually close on those new limits here in the month of December. So you've got, uh, for people who are looking to remodel, consolidate debt, uh, take money out and invest it, whatever they're looking to do, now's the time to do it? Yeah, this is absolutely the perfect time to do it because the Federal Reserve has announced they're going to taper their stimulus in the economy, and that's going to push those mortgage interest rates up in the coming year. So right now, with those rates being still so low, you want to tap into that equity now so you can get access to that money at a much lower interest rate than they're predicted to be in 2022. So yeah, if you're going to refinance, remodel, uh, get some cash out to buy a car, do that home addition you've always wanted, now's the time to act because we can get you that low rate at the higher loan limits. Everybody's situation can be a little different. If people have questions about uh, their particular plans, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, best thing to do is uh, call our team at 801 Approve, or you can log on at lendrightmortgage.com. Call Rod and his team at 801 Approve or lendrightmortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Fresh off a upset victory over BYU, in which UVU got the 72-65 victory in overtime. Mark Matson, head coach at UVU. This win and, and this moment, where does it rank? Well, I just think it was a special moment for our players to be able to play in front of their families, their parents. A packed UCCU center. The student body of UVU, which was just, they rushed the court. Pandemonium was breaking loose after the game. The joy could be felt in the arena. And, and so it was special in that sense. And for me personally, you know, my wife and daughter were up there. You know, my daughter's four months old and her bedtime is 6.30 p.m., but Hannah, my wife, decided to bring her. And so just to be able to share that with my wife and daughter meant a lot for me personally as well. 
What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes of Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the morning. We got multiple ones based on all the football over the weekend, but with where the bowl games sit now, Independence Bowl, L.A. Bowl, Rose Bowl, any issues? You're just basking in a 10-win season. Bring it on. Win number 11. Make it happen. Brooks says something smells fishy, and it's coming from the college football playoff committee offices. What? What are you talking about? I think that's a BYU fan who thinks they should be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Jordan says, BYU got the shaft. Notice that every team who had a bye week got bumped up the ranking, rankings oh, or stayed where they were. He didn't have a bye week. Except for BYU. <laughs> Your season was over. So, so after uh, December 18th, you've got uh, nine months of bye weeks. <laughs> it wasn't a bye week. <laughs> Dave says Big 12 membership can't get here fast enough. That loss to Boise State cost BYU millions. Uh, you don't know that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, get, get, get on with it. Get, get, get going immediately right now. I'm all for it, yeah. It'll make a big difference, that's for sure. Potentially. It, it, you could earn your way in... It's hard. It's going to be harder to earn your way in, but at the same time, the path is much easier. If that makes sense, because before this other way, you didn't really have a pathway. Now you will, in after next season. But it, we we really focused on a singular bowl game that defines your season, because if you put all that into it and then lose, well, then your season sucks. There's many things that can define seasons. Yeah, the win total. How many you win, absolutely. (laughs) Do you win a conference championship? They can't get that right now, obviously, but that will be out there, and that will define seasons. The win total determines whether you win the conference championship. Beating rivals and all that stuff. There's only one thing. It's win total. How many games did you win? That determines the level of success of your season. Nothing else. Well, we... When you get in a conference, you can have that 9 plus 1 and then lose that one conference title game. Right now, it's just win total as an independent. Win total. Win total determines your, the success of your season. If you go a 12-1 uh, and one and lose that conference final, you still had a successful season because win total determines the success of your season. That's the number one thing. And that's like the first 50 things. Hmm. Win total. How many games did you win? That's what it's about. But it's hard to ignore all the bowls being handed out right now on the weekend. That's all the big news. And BYU fans just feel left out right now. Now the rules will all change for BYU two years from now. If that matters to you, then, then you're, in, you're good to go. 
Ryan says, I believe BYU had a better season than Mississippi and Michigan State. Utah had more losses, lost their head-to-head, gets ranked ahead of BYU and gets Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, and BYU gets the number 3 Conference USA team, unranked UAB. Something's wrong here. That's what you signed up for, though. You knew you... When you went independent for the exposure, you gave up the bowl spiel. So you so you willingly signed up for it. So now you're going to complain about something you willingly signed up for? Yes. It doesn't make any sense to me. And the good news is you only have to go through this one more time. Because it'll all change. Uh, yeah, but you still have to earn your way. Yep. I mean, you, you, so I don't know that, I don't know that anything's going to change. But they will still have had a successful season. That's what I'm saying. If you put all your eggs in the bowl, then if you lose, then then you had a bad season? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, that's that's an old way of thinking, that the bowl is some big reward. The bowl is another game. Some players won't even want to play in it. Unless you're going to... Three or four of them that have some type of major influence, and the Rose Bowl does. Roll around in mud, Utes. You're going to the Rose Bowl, and you did it in eleven years. That's really good. You're three years off the Devils, but what the heck? You still <laughs> got there, and that's something to be just ecstatic about. And if you have a chance. To go, go. I don't take lightly finances. I could have never have gone. I, me and Granddad, we didn't go to games and all that stuff. We, it, wasn't, it wasn't even a possibility in my life as a kid. There was no finances that would have allowed that to happen. Uh, so I don't take it lightly. If you, I'm not going to tell you you got to go. But if you have the good fortune, and I have the good fortune now, to be able to afford it, Go. You'll have the time of your life. And for BYU fans, this is the system that you signed up for. But it's only temporary now. The end is in sight. Yeah, you still got to go earn it, and maybe someday you will. You got a better chance, so you're going to be on the inside. So that, the funny thing is here, in uh, two years, you're not going to care about the system. The system's going to be great. Was set up by the Power Five to benefit the Power Five, and you're going to be the well, I mean, Power Five. I mean, it's set up by everybody. Not just the, you act like it's some exclusive club. Your TV people are just as guilty. They're not Power Five. The fact is, these programs, big, it's, it, it's entertainment. They bring in the eyeballs. They bring in the advertising dollars. It's not just the Power Five. Television is right there. Television is right there alongside the Power Five leagues. But BYU and the Mountain West and Conference USA and whoever. Because they don't have the the eyeballs. If they did, then they would. It's just, it's it's capitalism at its finest. And I know you, I understand who you voted for, so I know you're against capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Except when it benefits me. So it's not, you act like it's some people over here. It's everybody. You make a big deal about China. Everybody buys sneakers, blah, 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 blah. 
and you don't want to put it on the NBA guys. Okay, fine. Well, it's the same thing here. Quit putting it on the Power Five exclusively. It's on all of us. Who do we want to see in the Rose Bowl? UAB or Ohio State? Uh, personally, <laughs> I would rather see Ohio State. I might be out on a limb there. Yeah. So, uh, you sure, it's sliver, it's Power Five, but it's way more than that. Where's the passion? Where's the money? It's all about money. Where can, how can we make the most money? That's what it's always about. And those other folks don't bring it. It's, 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 not, it's not junior high sports here, man, where everybody gets an equal chance. Okay, but then you get upset with Oregon. Everybody doesn't get an equal chance. Phil's got the most money, so Uncle Phil's buying wins for his team. No kidding. That's why it's all the sweeter when they lose. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So when that cash cow beyond belief loses, I couldn't be happier. I've been saying I hate Oregon for years. This is nothing new. Ever since he decided to fund an athletic program, I hate them. I'm just the guy who will say it. Me and five trillion other people. But I have the microphone in front of my face so I can say it. But believe me, I'm, you're not going to say it. There might be some listener out there, a viewer from Oregon, who watches Channel 2. But the rest of us hate Oregon. And for what they stand for. Absolutely. Sign me up. Yeah. Somebody got video of him walking out of the stadium in Las Vegas, put it up. Or maybe it was a still photo. But anyway, you could see him walking out. Vegas, head down. With his entourage. Go yeah. read Kanzano this morning. I yeah. read it this morning. And about how he went to the stadium and they saw nothing but red. And it's so dramatic. And his people that are around him. And we just got to kiss his rear end left. Because he's king. He's got the money. If you want to be king, have the most money. Then you get to be king. Yeah. And, 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 and nobody says anything about what's going on and, and how the things are made and all. He's a big old hero to, to the, in the progressive city of Portland, no less. It's progressive. <laughs> I mean, give me a friggin' break. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's what we call progressive? So it's, it's sweet when they lose. I hope he does go to Miami, and I hope they suck. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just, I'm just speaking what so many of us think. That's all, and it's harsh. So, and I'm out there, and I'm willing to put myself out there and say the truth as I see it. My truth. It may not be others people's truth, but it's my truth. Yeah. And have this program here with this dude who doesn't have an entourage and doesn't take 45 minutes to get to the post game when you lose like he's done before. He did his 10 minutes and he got up there. All that ceremony stuff going on for Oregon. I mean, for Utah. All of it. We finally make our way to the press room. And I find out Cristobal hasn't even shown up yet. It's a 10-minute cooling off period. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. Like, what the heck? Get your butt up there. And then it was so sweet. The first four questions were about Miami. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it took 45 minutes. <laughs> if they ask this, what am I going to say? Evan yeah, Whittingham would have got his butt up there. He suffered bitter losses twice. He didn't take forever to get up there. He got up there, and he answered the questions. Well, usually he starts with an opening statement and answers your questions before you ask him. Yeah. 
This is what went right. This is what went wrong. It had to have been what? At least 45 minutes at the before he got up there and answered the questions. And I thought it was awesome. The, 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 the Oregon media just peppering him about Miami. What are you going to talk about? You got your butt kicked for a second week in a row. And now Canzano was talking about this morning that these negotiations and contacts have been going on since November. Since before the Utes played him the first time. Capitalism, baby. <laughs> Yeah. What's Student athletes. <laughs> College football isn't the most two-faced sport ever in the history of sports. I don't know what is. <laughs> but if your team wins, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and Utah this morning, it's the most beautiful thing ever. It's not the most hypocritical thing. It's the most beautiful thing. Brooks says two bulls in the sunny L.A. area and one in Shreveport. Sounds good to me. Shreveport. You can get some good weather there. I haven't looked at the full while. Well, it's two weeks out, so who knows what the forecast is. Uh, but, yeah. And you fans, oh, my gosh. I went golfing Saturday I th- in St. George. Uh, I literally might have been the only one, my wife and I, who did not have full Ute regalia. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, I got to play with a father and son, Carl, Carl Sr. and Carl Jr. How are you this morning? Carl Sr. is a salesman on the road. And I introduced myself. I'm Pat. I'm Carl. He looks at me. Pat from the radio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Pat. <laughs> it was fun to play with, and they were so giddy. I get it, man. Everybody's I, in a good mood now. Yeah, and, the, and we went to Coral Canyon, and it was just packed with Ute people. Absolutely packed with Ute people. Stop on the way back, uh-huh. play 18. Yeah. Yeah, or staying down there the weekend, whatever it might yeah. be. Absolutely, man. Revel in it. Because your little program that doesn't have some major billion-dollar funding got to the Rose Bowl in your 11th year. I couldn't be happier for those guys. What an achievement. Absolutely. Grand achievement, man. You are going to the granddaddy. Your team is going to run out there on that uh, probably sunny afternoon. It'll just be absolutely awesome. I'll be down there. Just thinking about this. And I'm a schmo who hasn't done much. But I will have covered the Final Four, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Rose Bowl. Maybe you're not a schmo. And maybe you've done more than How many guys not much. in our Salt Lake media market can say that? Uh, I'm trying I, to think who's... Am I the only schmo who's done that? Uh, because a lot of the people who would have gone to the Final Four, they're dead. Have retired. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking Brad Rock, who's in the best of health, as far as I know. Well, you kind of haven't talked to him so recently. Dramatic. <laughs> Brad is still well, alive and well. Yes. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone. Give me some Minky Couture, would you? I think I will. It's right on the last one. Minky Couture wants to help you out this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. You get in today, you save 50%, you get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. All right, coming up, 8 o'clock this morning, we will be talking football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Yes. Sweet. Moved him up. Figure why have him talk about all these games on Wednesday? You can talk about him on Monday. He already thinks what he thinks.
Oh, you told him to move him up then. Yeah, then. I did. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking on Monday. I'm like, well, why don't we move him up? I can tell. I need to show you his text exchange I, I had with Riley yesterday. I can tell. Yeah, I, I texted him Saturday. I said I offer my humble, most sincere apologies. So we went back and forth a little bit. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, is going to join us at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Unrivaled. Guys are doing a hell of a job. So here's my question to you. Are the Jazz like a 3-4-5 team that can't beat beat a really good basketball team? Or are the Jazz a team... They can beat, they've beaten really good basketball no, no, teams. No, no, no. They've I'm, lost the battle. I'm not talking about... You're it, talking about in the playoffs. I'm talking about in the playoffs. Mm. I'm not totally convinced of the Utah Jazz. That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. <laughs> Fan zone on level six at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free poppy shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Question of the morning, part two. How about the Utes dominating Oregon again? Scott says, really not surprising. Oregon sucks, and Utah's good. Jeff says Oregon was way overrated. Good for the Utes. Were they way overrated, PK? Yes. How'd they beat Ohio State? Is Ohio State way overrated? Oregon was better and slipped over the course of the season? I can't explain that. If you want an explanation, I can't give you one. But Oregon's way overrated. Yeah. They stayed in there in the top 10. I mean, they're not competitive. I told you weeks, months ago that the quarterback wasn't good enough. Neither was the D-line. Neither was the O-line. Yeah, but it if you complete. know your quarterback is bad, you, you just don't have any mojo. And we saw with the Utes. They lost two out of the three. Spring Game Boy wasn't good enough. And Rising is, again, no, no big numbers. No just, wow, I can't believe he did that type of thing. But he wins. He just wins. Devin Lloyd's a big-time stud. Big time. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just it. That interception. Feel like all of the air went out of Oregon at that point at 14-0? No, I feel like it went out at 7-0. I tweeted, uh, at 7-0, start planning for Ohio, game planning for Ohio State. Go look back. Uh, as soon as they went down and drove down the field like they did with relative ease, this game's over. Because Oregon didn't have enough offense to do anything. And Ludwig is a master. He didn't get the credit. Don't hear about him. Joe Moorhead. Oh, man. Joe Moorhead. He missed the game against Stanford. That's why. The, who the hell is Joe Moorhead? <laughs> Jeez. Like, like he's freaking Norm Chow times 500,000. He's now the head coach at Akron. Yeah, good. Joe Moore. They didn't have Joe Moorhead that game. Oh, my gosh. They shouldn't even have played. Joe Moorhead wasn't there. How do you expect to compete without Joe Moorhead? It's impossible. No team has ever won without Joe Moorhead. The insanity of it all. 
<laughs> so I can't explain that Ohio State won. I don't know what happened. Well, I'm glad it did, but I don't know what happened. But all I know is the Utes just destroyed these guys two times in a row. What is it, 76 to 17? Something like that? Oh, my freaking gosh. That'd be exactly what it is. Yeah, complete and total dom-o-nation. This is a really good team. I've been saying for weeks that they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. I've been saying for weeks that they're a top 10 team. And they are. And that's why it's so cool that they get to play Ohio State. Is it Ohio State sixth? Well, go ahead and say they're going to beat Ohio State. That's what, it, that's what all you fans want to hear. Or do you believe that yet? No, it's three weeks, four weeks away, man. I don't make my stone cold lock presi- predictions <laughs> before their time. Stone cold locks. <laughs> I can see you do some late night TV ad. I'm PK. Here's my stone cold locks. We'll have to see. I'll do my deep dives, go behind the scenes, get in the uh, football facility at five fifteen ahead of Morgan Scally. Ah, nice. <laughs> that way you'll know what happens in the facility at 5.30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he sleeping in for? <laughs> I told Scally he ruined my Phoenix golf vacation over Christmas. Because my credential application was submitted last night by our esteemed leader, Nate Dowdle, former intern at Channel, or at, at our, our, ours, huh? No, not when he wasn't an intern. He was a producer. He was our morning show producer. Yeah. In the early days. Yeah. And now he's my boss. I give him the utmost respect. And the good thing about that, I gave him the utmost respect when he was below me. Now that he's above me, no difference. It's the kind of guy I am. At a kid. When you've been on the bottom, of course you know how to treat people right. If there's one reason Oregon lost to, or Oregon beat Ohio State, it's because Ohio State struggles to defend the run. We will be talking about that in the coming weeks. I also think Michigan. that was early. I mean, they had a freshman quarterback. Mm-hmm. It, uh, that's true. So you've got to allow teams to develop. Well, Ohio State, I don't, I don't look at them. Oh, they lost to Oregon, so what? I mean, they should be canceled. No. I mean, you've you got to allow. Uh, no, no team. Alabama lost. And they just looked absolutely awesome, and they lost. So things happen. Can't be perfect all the time. They struggle against the run. If the Utes can run the ball, that's the Kyle Winningham recipe for victory. Maybe it'll pay off New Year's Day. We got a few weeks though to ponder that. Coming up, Riley Jensen, college football insider, mental performance coach, will join us next to talk about those conference title games and Nick Ford, Ute offensive lineman at 9.05. And we are joined right now by Rod Rex from Lendright Mortgage. What is a freedom loan and why should our listeners be interested in that, Rod? Yeah, the best part of the freedom loan is that uh, we can get you the same or lower interest rate than you can get from your bank or credit union or any other mortgage lender. And we can cover 100% of your closing costs just because of our lower fees and our simple business model. We're able to pass along that savings to our clients. And so it just gives you an opportunity to save a bunch of upfront closing costs and get the same or lower interest rate that you get from any other lender you get from us without those costs. 
And so right now is the time to go do it, tap into the equity, because uh, financially things are changing. This is the best time? Yeah, this is definitely the best time just because interest rates, uh, all the economists are predicting that they will move higher, possibly significantly higher in the coming year, just because inflation is coming in at 30-year highs. Uh, those mortgage rates right now are still in the twos on a 16 to 30-year term. And you can get on those shorter terms, eight to 15 years, get a rate still in the ones. So right now, if you refinanced a $300,000 loan, uh, you're gonna save literally tens of thousands in interest uh, to lock in these low fixed rates right now versus waiting to do that next year when rates have gone up. So for people to get more information and start the process, how should they get a hold of you? Best thing to do is just give us a call at 801 Approve. Our team will take great care of you, or you can log on at lendrightmortgage.com. 801 Approve, 801 Approve, or lendrightmortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined right now by Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Riley, good morning. Yeah, it is a good, good morning. Good morning to you. Three 10-win teams, two conference champions, but one of them you got a little more invested in than the other. You're feeling awesome right now. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we just could have beat San Diego State by one more touchdown on the road, perhaps, you know, against the top 25 team, perhaps we could have got put into the top 25. But you know what? We're all right. We're okay, you know? I mean... You know, San Diego State had like 15, you know, all-conference players, coach of the year, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're okay. We're okay with that kind of stuff. But, but we just go ahead and we just take care of our business. Doesn't that scream we're little if we complain about that? Oh no! I was just—I was just pointing out the facts. That was right, but you were doing it in a complain a complaining manner. I mean, come on, let's speak truth here, RJ. Come on, we're the little guy. We don't get any. We don't get any respect. Bleep them. We don't need No, we don't need your respect. We don't need your stupid conference honors. We're the big dog. Look at us. That's see you people got that all I've been reading that all weekend. You're worried about oh some Joe Blow made all conference and Max uh, McGillicuddy didn't. Who cares? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you're gonna treat us like Rodney Dangerfield, we're gonna right. keep punching in the face. You know, it kinda bothers us. It, it gets under your skin after a while, you know, you get you get told your little brother your whole life, and then you punch people in the face. They don't even recognize that you're good. Right, but you that's like, how you crap. respond how to being to told. Be? That's how you how respond. Many, how many times do we have to beat you down before you shut your mouth? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Don't we'll complain see about it, man. That's me. You're well, feeding have, into the system. I already, I already have something to complain about. Don't worry about me. Worry about you. We worry about our stuff. We take care of our house. That's all you need to know. We're taking care of our business. When you're the big dog, you don't need to tell anybody. Everybody recognizes it. Believe me, I look in the mirror every day. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, 
<laughs> I went and rolled around in the uh, in the leaves on Saturday after our win because you told us we were going to get rolled, and I just wanted to make sure I knew what it felt like to get rolled because you told us we were going to get rolled. But, you know, we're good. We're good. We're all good, right, guys? We're all friends still, even though the Aggies are good? No, we never liked you in the first place. I, I submitted my <laughs> humble apology before the game was oh. over. Oh, PK, PK, PK. You didn't do anything publicly. You didn't do anything publicly. I just, I did it to you. I didn't offend the public. I just offended you. I'm just saying, but you did it publicly. I mean, you flogged me last week publicly. And oh, then whatever. All quiet, you like flogged. Flogged. You you're, This is your greatest hour, and all you're doing is playing the victim. You're feeding into the little guy syndrome. <laughs> well, he's bitter. You ought to recognize that emotion. Yeah. I yeah, mean, but that's on, that is not win or lose. That's a good point. You know, it's funny <laughs> well, because, I mean, if you, if, if you really want to get down to a PK, I mean, you scolded me early in the year for not being all in on 10 wins. You converted me. Then you all you did was build me up to, like, cut me down again, try and cut my feet off from under me. Like, there's no way you're going to beat San Diego State. I mean, they run for one billion yards a game. I know, but my guy here, he's, he sat on his granddad's lap. If I, get, I, if I lose him, I lose employment. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing the victim okay. now? Jeez. You know what? You know what? You did it for DJ. You did yeah. It for DJ. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I he sat on his granddad's lap watching Brian Sipe. <laughs> Sadly, I didn't, but not that old. I wasn't going to games for Brian Sipe. I don't know. I don't even know what he played. Although that was a fun that was a fun number 17 from the Cleveland Browns reference. That yeah, that was, that, was. that was fun. So the okay. key to the game was... What we talked about last week with you, can they throw the ball? They'd only lost one game. Fresno had thrown for 306 yards. Bonner throws for 318, four scores, and there is the win. Well, to be honest with you, I thought thought that Utah State was going to be able to do some of that stuff offensively just because they've been doing it against a lot of good teams as far as throwing the football. I think the most impressive thing – and and this was the thing that you talked about is just the ability to get off the field defensively. I mean, I I was of the thought, and I was I was chatting with some other like Utah State people. I'm like, hey, we got to get two or three stops so that we, you know, so that we can really like kind of take advantage of the passing game because I, I I really thought we could score like 28 to 35 points, you know, but the way the defense played. I mean, they were lights out. They were energetic. They were flying around the football field. And it was interesting just watching the game to realize how much San Diego State had really won because they had used they, they were used to being ahead, and those, those uh, personal foul penalties did not help them at all. Um, you and I had talked about it. I said, well, they're kind of like Air Force if we can get up on them. You know, it, it changes some things, and it really did. I, I really felt like that changed some things. And so it was – I mean, as a Utah State fan, if you if, if you were watching that game and that wasn't just absolutely thrilling to watch them beat San Diego State, who is a really good team, and I, I didn't hear the cheers, but I hope I, – I, I hate the cheer where everyone's like overrated, overrated, because I don't think San Diego State was overrated. I hope I hope we weren't doing that. But that was just a great win. That was a great win for the program. That was a great – was just a, an amazing thing for the program. And, and, and like we said last week when I started getting a little chippy with you guys, it's like we, 
really, we thought maybe four wins, right? Six wins, maybe the ceiling. And I was in with you guys, so I, I can't. I can't take credit that I was saying, like, hey, guys, you guys, you have no idea what you're talking about. We're going to win 10 games, right? That, that's, just a, that's just an amazing story. It's an amazing story of, of going from, what, one and five where, they, where they, they decided as a team not to play a game last year and then to turn around and go 10 and three, win, win the conference championship, and then they're playing in the inaugural L.A. Bowl, which is going to be really fun. I mean, they get to play in SoFi Stadium. They get to play in L.A. where the Rams and the Chargers play. They get to play against a Pac-12 team, a team with a name, or at least a little bit of a name, right? Like, I know Oregon State's on the come up, but it's at least a Pac-12 team. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody will be saying that they can't beat them either because they run the ball. But I, I wouldn't bet against the Aggies right now. I would. <laughs> I know you would. Keep doing it. Keep doing it because we don't need you. We don't need Good, you. We don't need your approval. Then we're both happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm starting to think now when you hire a coach, forget about his staff. Yep. See how many transfer players he can bring. Well, isn't that, I mean, isn't that an interesting thought? I mean, how much, how much has like college free agency just changed everything? I mean, what is the number? I, I, I heard him saying it on TV, but I think it's like 15 transfer players. And they all had an impact. I mean, you look at the quarterback and the receiver had an impact. The middle linebacker had an impact. I mean, they're all from Arkansas State, little Arkansas yeah. State, you know. And, and it, wasn't like, it wasn't like people were going, oh, well, the Aggies are going to win the Mountain West Conference Championship because they got these transfers from Arkansas State. But, but he knew that they were good players. He knew that they would fit in with the players that were going to be there. And, uh, I mean, I think, listen, I, I think you guys have talked to coaches, you know, offline. So have I. The, the portal has changed everything. It has changed everything. And it's going to be really interesting to me going forward to, to know what you do if you have a high school athlete to actually get him recruited. Because you're thinking, well, you know, maybe we could go to Utah State. They don't have a quarterback right now. There's a little bit of an opening there. And, you're, you know, the way that you used to look at it is where are we a good fit? Where's an offense that's a good offense for us? And I think that's all still relevant. But now you got to go, well, okay, but who are they bringing in from the transfer portal? And when do they bring them in? Because it matters, right? right? Yeah. And, I mean, you look at somebody like – so you look at somebody like Jackson Dart, who's played – I mean, look, he's played really, really good football this year. He had to play a meaningless game on Saturday night. And, and got dinged up a little bit, and I, I'm kind of frustrated about that situation. But when, when, when you look at somebody like him who's been playing as well as he has as a freshman, they bring in Lincoln Riley, he could be bringing in two quarterbacks to replace Jackson Dart. And Jackson Dart, by all measures, could be um, maybe top four, top five in his whole div- um, age group as far as like draft class goes. And he might have to be making tough decisions here in the next few weeks. And I, so I just think this whole thing, it, it changes everything. It changes everything. Yeah, but you can't blame a coach for doing it because you go through with injuries, you can play two or three quarterbacks in a year. So even if you like a guy who's there, you can't afford not to bring in a second guy. You may need him. And then these guys change schools and you have no idea. Utes get to bring a quarterback in. He doesn't even stay. 
Oregon brings a quarterback in. He stays, but he's not good enough to win the conference. And Utah State brings a quarterback in, and he is good enough to win the conference. I, I know. And I, I, look, you're just talking about quarterbacks. Yeah. It's not with every other position either. I mean, it, it, this thing has changed everything. It's it's free agency for college football. It it will make a difference every single year. I don't know a coach right now who's not like looking at the portal all the time. And this includes in every sport. I mean, we're talking about basketball. We're talking about. I was talking to a volleyball coach the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, there's. But check this out. There's." There's nine other people right now in the transfer portal, right? Just just this morning since I looked last, right? And they look at it, they observe it. And I, one of the questions that I was asking the other day was, so how do you, what do you do for character reference? Because, you know, it used to be back in the day when you transferred that you were kind of damaged goods, right? Like, I mean, Let's be honest about it. Like, we all kind of looked at it like, well, why wasn't he good enough to play at Arizona State? Why is he transferring to this school? Or why, why, why is he transferring from here? We all kind of had that mindset, and I don't think that's the mindset of the coaches anymore. And as I was talking to them, I mean, they did have some checkpoints as to how to figure out whether this person is um, a character kid or not or if the story lines up. And then the other thing that this coach was telling me is that He'll call the coach. He'll just call the head coach and go, "Hey, what's what's the real story? Give me all the dirt. Give me give me everything that I need to know." You know what I mean? And he goes, "And a lot of times it's negative, and I just have to try and sift through it, right?" So it's it's interesting. It is so fascinating, and I still feel like we're kind of the wild wild west as far as it goes right now. Like I don't I don't think we even know how it's all going to settle out. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. Uh, I think that as you have that situation, you just got to go with it and take each one as it can. Uh, we've had this conversation on our show, the three of us, the image of Utah and quarterbacks and all this stuff. And, you know, they got another kid, the two kids from California that they put their mo- stock in high school-wise. They don't even take snap before they leave. Uh, with the success they've had this season, they still don't throw the ball a thousand times for sure by any stretch, so you're not going to put up gaudy numbers. But it's about winning, and they've been winning at the highest level, and they dominated. I mean, they went 9-1 and one in, in conference. It's more just about as well, as good as you can ask for, I think. With that in mind, is the door wide open now for them, whether it's transfer portal or however they get the talent now? to be able to almost be in a position of pick and choose who they want? Are you talking about for, for Utah State? No, Utah. Because, you know, have we oh, spoken? Have we spoken? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I just was trying to shift gears with you. Um, the I don't, know, I don't know if it's wide open. I mean, certainly the quarterback position, like everybody's going to be waiting to see what Cam Rising does eventually, right? Like I think – I think he's somebody that's going to have a chance to play in the NFL, no question about it. Um, does he come out after his junior year, right? And and I know that there's certain rules for how long you have to play. I think you have to play to your junior year before you can come out. But um, you, you look at it and you just say, okay, so what? What is this? What is this going to look like at the quarterback position? And and it has been a little bit more wide open this year than it has been in the past, and I, I almost feel like Kyle's been a little bit more willing to, to deal with an interception here and there because they're playing so well offensively. Uh, I don't think that they have the pick of the litter. I don't think it's wide open because I think you need 
another couple years of this to be able to say, okay, they've, they've really changed their MO. Because I think before this, and I, and I have not been critical of Kyle on this because he has been winning division championships without quarterbacks, without great quarterback play, without even trying to really throw the ball. But I think this was the perfect example of what we all thought could happen if they had a quarterback that could throw the ball and if they opened up the offense a little bit. And so, I mean, how impressive were those wins for the University of Utah? Two wins over Oregon where they score, what, 17 points in two games? And the Utes are just, I mean, they're just manhandling that team. They, they win the conference. They go to the Rose Bowl. Man, dude, I, I'll, I'll be honest, and I tweeted out on Saturday, I, listen, BYU, Utah, Utah State winning these 30 games. I mean, you, you cannot – you. I don't know that this is ever going to happen in my lifetime again. I mean, this is a lot of winning football in the state of Utah, and I know it's good for your guys' job. And I know it's good for ratings, and I know it's good for all those things, but how about just if you're a fan, like, I hope everybody's just sitting around and just enjoying these three teams, what they've done this year, and enjoying their favorite local player that makes big plays on TV week in and week out that makes them feel proud to support their team. This is, this is, a, this is an unbelievable season. This is a dream season for the state of Utah as far as football goes. I agree with all of that, and the 30 wins is a lot of wins, and it is a lot of winning. I want to go back to what you said about Kyle, though, putting up with a lot of interceptions. I'm, I'm not convinced he has. Rising's thrown five picks in 10 games. I think that's, that's pretty good. Five picks in 298, almost 300 attempts. So basically one pick every 60 attempts. That's, that's not a big number. So I, well, to me, it was a willingness, a willingness to be okay with it. Right? Okay, like I see I, what you're saying. He was willing to risk right? it, even though he never really had to suffer through that many right. picks. Okay, and then the other thing is, right. you think Cam Rising is an, is an NFL guy? How much does it change the recruiting pitch for youth coaches when they can say, "Well, we got two quarterbacks in the NFL. If you want to come here, you go to the you can go to the NFL. Whether you're a defensive back, a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, a quarterback, or a tight end, or a running back." I, I mean, I think it changes the picture, no question. And I, and I think if Cam Rising, which, which for all intents and purposes, when we're watching him, I mean, I, I assume that he'll have another good year next year. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to start reading his press clippings and, and fall off, you know, fall off in performance next year. Seems like a guy that has it put together and, and is going to be really solid. And you, you put together two good years like that for Cam Rising or three good years, then he goes to the NFL now you've got, you know, a, a kind of a an outline or a blueprint for like what the Utes can do offensively. And now, now quarterbacks start going. Well, geez, man, they've been to the Rose Bowl. They're 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 producing college quarterbacks or pro quarterbacks. They've got they've got one in the NFL. They've got another one in the NFL. I think I think BYU. I think Jaron Hall goes to the to to the league, and I think he he plays for a few years in the league. I look. I've been a big proponent for the fact that that players in the state of Utah are really good football players. BYU seems to be doing it with local quarterbacks. Right now it looks like Utah does it with quarterbacks from out of state. I don't know if that changes or not. I don't know if maybe the style that they play maybe attracts some young talent that's coming up and coming through. But um, this is just really fun. This is just really fun to watch. And, you know, I don't think – 
I don't think Logan Bonner, and, and this isn't because I don't think he's an unbelievable like college quarterback. I'm I'm not sure that he has the NFL type body or type looks to get drafted, but certainly he's an unbelievable college quarterback. And how fun is it for a quarterback from the state of Utah or even you know in neighboring states to come in and play in that offense? That's a really fun offense to watch and play in. So you're looking at three teams right now that I think these seasons are going to set them up to be successful for years to come. Now, can we predict 10 games a year for each one of those teams for the next five years in a row? No. But could we see that that each one of those teams, maybe every other year or maybe every two years, has a 10-win season? Why not? This This is a really, really good season to build upon if you're Utah State, Utah, or BYU. Well, Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Congratulations on the W and another trip to L.A. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to play against Oregon State. I mean, I know the Utes couldn't beat them, and nobody will think that Utah State can beat them, but I'm calling a W right now. I'm calling it right now. Utah State wins that game. <laughs> when you calling it? Right this second, right here, right now, PK. Okay. Let me be clear. <laughs> Thank you, Riley. Talk to you guys soon. All right, there's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. We will talk roses with him coming up at 9 o'clock. When is he going to predict it, PK? I believe right now. Did. Yeah, he's excited. Way to go. I'd be excited too. Why not? If you're a fan like that, just run with it. They're going to go down there and get another W. That'd be awesome. I'll be pulling for him. Week from Saturday, BYU and Utah State will get both their bowl games in early. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined right now by Rod Rex, LendRightMortgage.com, here to talk to you about mortgages and the rules of the game are changing. Yeah, with the new low limits now, you can go on a conventional loan up to $647,200, and that's an increase of almost 100000 over last year's limit. The good thing is you don't have to wait till January 1. With LendRight Mortgage, you can actually lock and close that loan in the month of December at those higher loan limits. So if you're currently on a jumbo loan, uh, we can now get you into a conventional loan at a lower rate. So now's the time to act while rates are still excellent. So the rates are excellent, but they are supposed to be changing. So for people who want to use their equity, remodel, consolidate debt, get money to invest or make major purposes, uh, you got to get going, huh? Yeah, definitely. Time is of the essence with uh, inflation coming in at 30-year highs and the Federal Reserve set to stop buying the mortgage-backed securities that they've been buying since March of 2020. You definitely want to lock your rate now. One example of a client we helped last week, we were able to consolidate all of his debt into just one lower overall monthly mortgage payment, uh, reduce his payment by about $600, and set him on track to pay his mortgage off five years sooner than he otherwise would have. 
So definitely you want to lock in those rates now because rates are definitely going up in 2022. So you got a low rate guarantee. Explain to people about that. Yeah, one of the best things is with LendRite Mortgage, we're not your actual lender. We're an independent mortgage broker, so we can actually shop the premier mortgage lenders in the country, and all of those lenders pay us the exact same amount. So we have no incentive other than to find each of our clients the absolute lowest rate and fees. With our volume discounts with these lenders, we're able to get discounted rates that we can just pass on to our clients. And so that's why we offer a $1,000 lowest rate guarantee. We guarantee there's no lender out there, bank, credit union, online lender. Nobody can beat our rates and fees. If you want more information, you can get a hold of Rod at 801-APPROVE. 801-APPROVE or online at LendRightMortgage.com. LendRightMortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Appreciate it. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. So here's my question to you. Are the Jazz like a 3-4-5 team that can't beat beat a really good basketball team? Or are the Jazz a team... They can beat, they've beaten really good basketball teams. No, no, teams. no. They've I'm, lost the I'm bad not, I'm not talking about... You're it, talking about in the playoffs. I'm talking about in the playoffs. Mm. I'm not totally convinced of the Utah Jazz. That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Guys, Mickey Couture wants to help you help out this holiday season with a perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George, mention Zone 50, and save 50%. It's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50%, and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. Just had Riley on, talking about a lot of winning in the state of Utah. Three 10-win teams in the same season. It's got to be a just banner for TV people, right? You'll love the happy news. And this, you can't get any happier than this. When your team loses, you tend not to turn on the highlights to see them lose again and listen to the coach explain why they especially lose. for you with the Utes winning. When they win, I mean, especially the Utes, because I saw you going to have a little go back and forth with folks on Twitter, and this one guy tweeted out. DJ was seen with his kids at Utah Spring Game in Ute gear. Mm-hmm. So having the Utes go to the Rose Bowl for you, it's going to really soften the blow of the Aztecs losing. Totally. I mean, you you and your kids showed up Utah Spring Game in Ute gear. Well, yeah, we didn't. It says right here. I know. It says lots of things. I'm looking at it right here. I know. Well, you did. It, we went D, to the, DJ we went, was seen with his kids at a Utah spring game in Ute gear. Yeah. We went to the Ute game, saw the last three plays of the spring game, got in, sat down, and ended, coming straight from the kids' soccer game. He was in his soccer uniform. He was like seven years old. This is a long time ago. It was a big deal when it happened. You remember it. That you showed up in Ute gear? I didn't show up in Ute gear. Then why would I remember it? Why was it a big deal? Because we talked about it at the time. <laughs> what did we talk about? That I wasn't in Ute gear, but people were saying I was in Ute gear. Exactly <laughs> what we're doing right now. I just don't. We could have taped that segment. I don't know. I first right didn't. I didn't see it until right now. <sighs> you thought you had some innocuous thing about Lincoln Riley not wanting to go to the uh, SEC, and it turned out that they viewed it as ripping the Pac-12. Yes. 
you you avoid controversy at all costs on Twitter, got yourself in a little bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. Not the first time, not the last. Oh, it will be. No, no but it but it was it was inadvertent. I mean, you don't do it deliberately, though. That's the funny thing. No, I leave that up to you. <laughs> And you still did it because you thought you were being clever. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's clever. And I you think got it's your true. hands dirty. It's true. I don't think it's clever. What's true? So, but then Brian Kelly wanted the SEC. It's not true. Oh Brian yeah, Brian Kelly's did. a man, and Lincoln Cut Riley isn't. That's what you're saying. Brian Kelly got offered the cash in the SEC and took it. The cash and LSU is. Fully equipped at getting their hands dirty in the SEC. And, and Oklahoma winning. isn't? Uh, yeah, I'm not convinced Oklahoma is. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm convinced every single one who plays big-time football is, has, and will be. <laughs> That's the now only the way SEC, you're going to get it so, done. So why is the SEC winning at a higher rate? Because the brothers all live down there, my friend. That's where the think, recruiting base is. You don't, think, you don't think it has anything to do with uh, money and willingness to cheat? Of course. Everybody has it. Yes. What, what made you think that I said that they wouldn't be willing to do that? Clearly, they're all willing to do it. They would sell their souls for it. That's beyond. How would you possibly think that I didn't think that? Every single team that wins is willing to cheat. And willing to spend as much money as they possibly can. Now, place A, as much money as they possibly can, may not be as much money as available as place B. You know, there's There's pecking orders. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently, like Oregon. You don't think they're willing to cheat and spend as much money as they possibly can? Of course they are. We've seen that. I believe every team that wins is willing to do that. He's got an either easier path at USC, and he's sitting right in the mother load. He's not going into Texas with everybody else in the SEC and trying to pull kids out. What, what makes him different than Clay Helton, Lane Kiffin, Steve Rossi? Uh, maybe, possibly nothing will. I mean, we'll see well, if he uh, wins how's or it an, it doesn't win. an easier path? Sure it is. Then why hasn't it been done? If it's such an easier path, why hasn't well, it, it been it done has, in 15 years? Oh, it has been done. It hasn't been done by the last three full-time coaches. But if it's so yeah. easy, then w- it can't be that easy or else it would be done. These three dudes, believe me, they know football. Right, but being a, a head coach is about more than knowing football. There's Lane a lot Kiffin of know just football. won freaking 10 games at Ole Miss. Right, but it's 10 years of hard lessons later also. I mean, is he a better coach now than he was then? Has he been learning all this time? Uh, you'd have to ask him. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's an outrageous <laughs> assumption. I don't know either. We're not around him all the time, nor are we going to be. Yeah. I, I, I don't think any job is easy. You make it easy by getting the recruits, by getting people to give them stuff as to why they want to come to your school. Come on. <laughs> I think Oklahoma competing with... LSU and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and Florida in the SEC is harder than being at USC and competing in the Pac-12. That's not what Especially you said. Especially if Cristobal leaves. It's an easier oh, path. Christopher, he's, he, what has he done? Well, he's won the league. He's won 10 games. I mean, he hasn't so then, done what Lincoln Riley has then, done. Okay. So even if he stays, Lincoln Riley... Could beat him. I mean, it's not dependent on that. Why worry about but, Oregon? Worry about a team in your South division. 
Because what, yeah. yeah, whatever Cristobal's done, Whittingham's done, done. Right. So why would I be worried about Cristobal? I can't. I'm not beating Utah. Those are the. Those are the. Only I'm two profit teams. not having honor in our own country here. <laughs> I mean, this guy. This guy constantly gets overlooked as one of the best coaches in the game because he doesn't trumpet himself and he's not out there making outrageous statements and whatnot. It'd be interesting to see if Lincoln Riley thinks. Or what he said, Matt, will say that again? Multiple reports out there, Manny Diaz has been fired. Yeah, multiple Miami. reports had uh, Cristobal accepting the job yeah. yesterday. I mean, and and here, Josh Newman of the Tribune goes, you have to identify yourself. And, and Kyle says to him, I know who you are. You don't have to identify yourself. <laughs> but, but he's not out there patting himself on the back, creating look at me type of stuff. And Lincoln Riley, I'd be petrified of this guy. Coming to SC is no easier. What, what the hell has Brian Kelly won? Who Who's won anything in that conference outside of Nick Saban? Well, LSU won a national He's championship. Gone. I said who, not what. I said who. Well, then who, the people are gone. But yeah. The, but LSU has won national championships with three straight coaches. They have... And they all resources. get fired. That's a true story. So go to a job. In Notre Dame, you're the winningest coach ever. And he's put together you had a, a lifetime of, deal. Yeah, he's put together a bunch of 10 and 11 win seasons there. Lots of double digit win seasons. Riley coming here, I mean, does he even think that, well, and Cristobal may be gone in minutes, does he even think that the two coaches who are having the most success in this league are even going to be in this league in a year or two? Is he going to be in this league in a year or two? <laughs> I think he'll be there in a year or two. Yeah, you will. Will he be here in five? I don't know. And you're right, the coaching carousel, <laughs> who's to say? We've seen bizarro stuff. Just this off season, yeah, I bet exactly. I, I, I don't think he ran from anything. You could argue he ran to something, an easier path. I mean, it wasn't like he was going to quit at Oklahoma if this doesn't come open. But if USC calls you and offers you all that money, and you look at the state of the Pac-12, and you look at all the recruits, you draw a little circle, one or two hours around so you, the SC campus. So you think Rilligan and Rise? That's easier there, there are so I'm going to take the easy way. Because if he took the easy way, I wouldn't want him. There are plenty of reports to say he didn't think Oklahoma should be going to the SEC. So, assuming that I, that reporting I, I is... I have no idea. But we only know what we read. We're not... I mean, we could have Barry Trammell on. Next I time we have Marlon, we can ask I assume reporting is accurate. We can have Barry on. I mean, your you hero... Barry is. W- 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 Whittingham better retire. Because your hero, Wilner, wrote that, he's not my hero. that he's retiring. If he goes to the Rose, but where the hell's the announcement? Maybe he's right. But he wrote. Yes, he did. And I had three conversations with people on the field Friday. And? What are you, nuts? <laughs> <laughs> These are the good old days. So unless he pulls a Bronco and surprises everybody... Uh, yeah, I don't think Wilner's wrong. Kyle then. doesn't need to redefine, redefine, and re-energize and refocus and light a butane lighter. He's just going out coaching football, and he's having the best time now. He just went through the pandemic and the death of two players, and it was a really, really hard time. And now they're winning, and it seems like everybody up there is really. They've happy. been winning for years. Yeah, but they're winning at a new level now. They upped it this year, yeah. yeah. But I mean to say, well, eleven, add 11 winning and at one. a new level. But don't yeah. just don't tell me they're winning 11, because they've been winning for a good right. long while. 
eleven and one and ten and three in the last two full. The guy seasons. doesn't get any, not any. He doesn't get near the credit that he should. Oh, you uh, wait a minute! Oh, you get out of us, town! You told us a million times he gets more respect than anybody. That everybody national writes stuff about him, writes it positive. He knows how to. I'm talk talking to him. about here. I'm not talking about there. I'm talking about here. You just said it. Oh, my gosh. If Cristobal leaves, Lincoln Riley's got a clear path. You said it two minutes ago. I accept your apology <laughs> on behalf of the Whittingham family. I accept you just said Nobody, it. Don't okay. backtrack because you can't. Yes, I can. No, well, you can, but you can do it <laughs> inaccurate. You just told you me think, if Cristobal leaves, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, every time, but you walked into this, didn't every you? Time, every time Utah wins. Which is every week. It's treated like the greatest thing nationally because Utah shouldn't be winning. And they keep winning. They keep, keep saying great things about Kyle, but there's no expectation that they're going to do it again. Oh, that, but there's tons of pats on the back. Because when he they're, does they're it. ignorant. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us okay, but here. Lincoln's making the decision. What I said about Lincoln, he's making the decision from there. He's not making it from here. It's two different things. In your mind, I'm sure it is, but you, but but yet he can make it on Cristobal leaving. I've got a clear path. What freaking disrespect is that for the guy that just won the conference championship and did it 76 to 17? And Lincoln Riley is worried. You, it, the words Riley, coming out of your mouth Riley, is an abomination. Lincoln Riley looks at Utah the way he looked at Oklahoma State. That's a good program, then he and I can and beat it. And you are both idiots. And I can beat it. That's what he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking. You, somehow you know what he's thinking. He's, he's I mean, you right 50, now, he's 55 if I were you, 10. I would put the shovel down and quit digging. Because the hole is getting deeper and deeper. And right now, I feel all sorts of sorrow for you. I really don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up, Nick Ford's going to join us in 15 minutes. you know what everybody's thinking these days. Nick Ford's going to join us in 15 minutes. You're the amazing Kreskin. Right here on the Zone Sports <laughs> Network. The new Zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. T backfield, Utes rush four, Brown straight back, and it's picked off. It's Lloyd headed for the end zone. Pick six, Devin Lloyd. There's the Chevy strong play of the game. Devin Lloyd's pick six to put the Utes up fourteen to nothing in the Pac-12 title game. Know that today, unrivaled. Coming up at 4.50, that is your chance to win fabulous prizes. Want to know more about what people are thinking, PK? No. Okay, fine. What would you like to know about? (laughs) I want to know what you're thinking. What are they thinking about? Relative to what? What are people thinking about the Utes' place in the college football universe? How is the brand going to be recognized now when the Utes are out recruiting? Because everybody's out recruiting. Kyle did his, uh, did his uh, 
teleconference call to promote the Rose Bowl uh, yesterday uh-huh. and said he was out recruiting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course. And this is, you know, everybody else. Uh, we had uh, Blake Anderson on last week. And, yeah, we're a week behind in recruiting, but you want to be playing. And you just tell people, hey, we're playing. We'll be there. So I assume he's out recruiting right now, too. Oh, yeah, all the yeah, coaches who are in the yeah. conference title games are all playing catch-up with all the conference rivals who weren't in the conference title game and were already out recruiting. Yeah. And so to the point that Utah's winning, get respect, and yet you don't have the brand name that's been sitting around for 25, 50, 75 years collecting championships and winning big games on TV with everybody watching. So are the Utes now Wisconsin and Michigan State, but not Michigan and Ohio State in terms of brand? Are they Oklahoma State and Baylor, but not Oklahoma and Texas in terms of brand? Well, I think the brand relates to your money that you spend. And how much you win. Well, they go hand in hand. Far more often than they don't. So I look at your budget. What's your athletic budget? What's your football budget? Where do you fit on that scale? Yeah, we see athletic budgets. We don't usually see football budgets broken out. I guess my assumption, and now I'm way out on the limb, it would be easy to saw this limb off behind me, is that they're winning more. <laughs> do that. That they're winning more than their budget would suggest. Yeah, and it's I think, my assumption that I, I, my, if we go ahead. that they're sixth, seventh, or eighth, or ninth somewhere in there in the Pac-12 ooh, in terms ooh, of finances, ooh, ooh, you think ooh, they're higher ooh, than that? Way higher. Yes, they were like number one in recruiting. But you were talking budgets. I'm talking football expenditures. Oh, you're, oh, you're talking number one in recruiting budget. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Now that doesn't include SC and Stanford because they're private. Mm-hmm. No public university in the conference spent more cash, cash. on recruiting. Okay. Than the U of U. So you think they're top third then? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you get the results without the cash. When I said six through ninth, I'm going mostly off USA Today gets those receipts. But you're right, there was a story about recruiting budgets. And I was thinking more of like the overall athletic department expenditures. Which you do need to break football out of that. Yeah, I don't know what they're paying for tennis relative right. to what, what everybody Cal's else is. And, for tennis. and other sports, other yeah. schools might have more sports and blah, right. blah, blah. Right. And yeah. they might be putting more in ba- Arizona might be putting a ton of money in basketball. Right. So I'm just talk- I think that there's a direct correlation. I think if you would look at it, you know, and it doesn't correlate the highest expenditure is the number one, but I think that certainly minimally. But number nine doesn't usually end up number one, yeah, and number yeah, yeah. one doesn't usually end up number ten. Off the top of my head, I think that only Texas is not getting its return. And hasn't, for whatever reasons, I mean, I'm not maybe, close to the yeah, situation. But Texas would be the best example. Maybe a Florida State would be close. But they have... For, for so many years, I think Florida State was like ranked in the top five for so many years in a row or something. So they have over over time. My guess is they'll all get it back to to one degree or another. But Utah puts a lot of money in it, and they're getting a, 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 right now. They're probably getting the best return on their investment that they could possibly get. You know, and good for them. Three conference title games, and now a conference title. Yeah, as you just said, these are the best of times. I think they're much better than 04 and 08. And 04 has been surpassed by Cincinnati. They're the first BCS team, the non-BCS team or whatever it was to get in a BCS Bowl. That doesn't matter any anymore. 
Most people think it's Boise anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all old news. (laughs) Yeah. It's all old news. The the rules have changed. The playoffs, the thing, not the BCS. I mean, even the lingo's changed. Right. And I think what we're going to see with BYU, and this was a point earlier this morning about it would be cool if you were in the Fiesta Bowl right now instead of the Independence Bowl. But once you join a Power Five, everything that came before doesn't really matter anymore. Everything resets to zero Mm -hmm. and you start over. And the Utes have definitely felt that in the Pac 12. And I think BYU is going to feel that. And I think the BYU coaches, especially the ones who have Utah in their background and went through it, are anticipating feeling that same thing again. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. It's all brand new, and everything will be measured from right then. 100%. BYU is not going to get knocked by going to the Shreveport Bowl this year. If they had no hope of getting beyond that in the next... uh, recruiting five-year cycle, right. I think that would be hit against them. But every kid they're recruiting now, particularly if they're a Latter-day Saint going on a mission, is being recruited to the Big 12. And even if they're not, and if they're not a they're It's either not a one year of eligibility yeah, or yeah. a redshirt year. Yeah, right. And then you're a Big 12 kid anyway. So. so there's no... I know it sucks for BYU right now, today, but there are better days on the horizon if you earn that. So I don't think that, and BYU guys are, uh, uh, they got to practice, but for the recruiting, I don't think they're going to take a hint, a hit, I should say, at all that you're going to the Shreveport game and the Utes are going to Pasadena because your time is coming. That's why, the, 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 that's to me, the Big 12 softens the blow big time because it's all about recruiting, as Kyle has told us a million times, and they as they're selling their product and they have a lot to sell, they're not going to take a hit. Because they're going to get in here in, in right. what, 14 games? DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Rod Rex right now from Lend Right Mortgage. Rod, you got a freedom loan. Explain to people what that is and how it could work for them and their family. Yeah, pretty simply, the freedom loan is absolutely one of our most popular loans. Simply put, it's a loan that gives you a rate that's as low as or lower than other lenders will give you. And we cover 100% of your closing costs with that. So if you're buying, just means you don't have to come up with that money. You can put it towards the down payment. Or if you're refinancing, getting some cash out, that means several thousand extra dollars cash out since you don't have to pay for the closing costs. So the rules are changing, loan limits are changing, and you're expecting interest rates to change. So everything is changing and it looks like it's all going to change in the next, what is it, 30, 60, 90 days? I don't know the timeline. Yeah, the new loan limits, uh, they were just announced last week. So the new conventional loan limit for 2022 is going to be $647,200. So that's up almost $100,000 from this year's limit. The good thing with LendRight Mortgage is you're not going to have to wait until January to lock in on those new higher limits. Right now, rates are still excellent, but they may not be so come January. So we can lock in those new limits at 647 200 right now and get your rate in the twos on terms of 16 to 30 years and still get a rate in the ones on those shorter terms of 8 to 15 years. If you want to get a hold of Rod and find out more information and how your situation applies and what the best, best path is for you, you can reach out to him right now at LendRightMortgage.com. Online at LendRightMortgage.com, or you can call him at 801-APPROVE. 801-APPROVE. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time now. 
to talk youth football with Nick Ford. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs. Call 877-346-3333. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Nick, was it as good as you thought it was going to be? You dreamed of winning a Pac-12 title. Now you've done it. Did it measure up to your expectations? Almost definitely. That's that's about (laughs) out. I saw you on the field prancing around like a show dog. Uh, I mean, that just had to be something, especially for you, a kid who grew up in the area, to know that you were going to play in the Rose Bowl. When you committed to Utah, how much did you realistically think that that was a possibility? Um. I'm not even too sure. I knew I knew that just you know I want to come out here with a couple of the boys and you know just do the best that we could do and you know become the best team that we can and you know that ultimately led to where we are. So I mean it wasn't um, you know an intentional thing from the very start, but as I learned the culture here, the program, and the history of how we never won the Pac-12 with the Rose Bowl, that became pretty much the ultimate goal for me and a couple of boys who came in 2017. So during the game, when did when did you know you had the ducks? Did you know when you were watching film? Did you know when you converted fourth and one? You went up seven zero. The pick six. Was there some point later in the game where you thought, "Yep, it's over. We got them." Um, uh, I want to say I didn't really feel that way until after the game because I don't I don't really want to feel that way because you know there's always things that can happen. But as the game continued on, there's definitely things where it's like, "Okay, we got the first uh, fourth and one." Okay, we got the first touchdown. Okay, we got the pick six. Okay, we got this touchdown. You know, and his momentum kept rolling. That's kind of where I started saying, "Oh yeah." But, I mean, even from the very start when Kelly started returning that kickoff, I was like, "Yeah, this is going to be a fun one." How about the fan base? You know, I covered the Fiesta Bowl in '04, and it was just amazing. Sugar Bowl was pretty good, but I thought the fan turnout was absolutely exceptional, and it really, to me, sitting in the press box, did feel like a home game. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we go out there for warm-ups, and you see everyone, it's like, dang, it's, it's, it's a lot of red up there. Yeah. I forgot what the DJ was saying. It's like about, Oregon makes some noise. You hear him yell. You're like, okay, that's kind of loud. You saw make some noise. You saw fans in the crowd. I was like, oh, my God, this is not <laughs> this is not a normal road game. And then we came out for the game, and it was even worse than that. And I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. So a lot was made of the fact, well, it's 13 days later. What can you really change? And I had people who know a lot more football than me saying, well, Utah had a massive advantage in tight ends, and there's nothing Oregon is going to do to solve that problem in 13 days. From your perspective in the line, was it any different? Did they solve any of the problems? Did you have to adjust? or did you just? It looked like you just picked up where you left off, but maybe it wasn't that simple. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, we knew that they were going to sell out and stop the run, and that's why, you know, it was a little shaky at the start of the game, and uh, that's our style of football. You know, we, we'll start off the game, and maybe it's a two, three-yard run every time, but eventually we wind up breaking out for big runs. And if you want to stack the box, then you've got a lot of tight ends that can kill you and a lot of receivers that can kill you. So, I mean, if you watch the game, they've got times, you know, I, I'd say the entire game is at least – seven people around the box and then even there's that times where it got up to about 10 people and um that's just a part of you know being a good running program once you start running like that they're going to start stacking the box and then once they start stacking the box then you can go ahead and start taking advantage of some of your athletes 
The way I look at it going forward with the Rose Bowl is I, from the youth perspective, I wanted Ohio State because they are the highest ranked team that you could possibly play in that game. So at this point, why not compete with the best to prove once and for all that you guys really are one of the best? How do you look at it? Uh, same way. I mean, but we got to prepare the same exact way that we've been preparing. Um, they're a good program for sure. They got a lot of reputation. They got a lot of good athletes over there. Um, the same thing like Oregon, even when they're, you know, we're the number three seeded team in the country. Um, we've got to go out there, have the same mindset that we've been having for the entire season. Um, work hard, don't work too much to where you get burnt out, and don't work too little to where, you know, you become lazy and complacent, and then uh, just go from there and play the game like it's meant to be played. Have you watched a lot of Ohio State this year with you guys playing late and them often playing early? Is that something you do to kill time, or is this uh, you're going to have to watch film because you don't know anything about them because they're playing on the other side of the country? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, we've seen them. Uh, you know, we hang out, watch games or whatnot, but uh, I wouldn't say we've seen them enough to digest uh, exactly everything. I'm sure there's some of the coaches that have uh, as they expected this matchup, but uh, for me personally, you know, uh, I've seen them. I know what their personnel looks like. I know their size and everything, um, but I'm more of a you know, if I watch football, it's, um, you know, watching their football and whatnot, I, I, I look at it the same way um, on TV, but then when you watch film, it's more of a study session. What is the schedule going to be like now for the next couple of weeks? Uh, I'm not sure. We're going in today at 3 o'clock, and then uh, we're going to find out uh, what we're going to do, and that's pretty much it. Get rolling from there. So did you really just get to enjoy this over the weekend? You told us you were going to have a lot of people up from L.A. and Vegas, and Kyle in his uh, telephone teleconference yesterday said that the team hadn't met as a group and wasn't until this afternoon, so just get time to hang out with people? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my family even drove up here and they're up here for a little while, so, you know, it's been pretty good to, you know, spend some time with them and, you know, relax a little bit. And Yeah, it's just been really fun. And then, have you already been hit up as far as uh, who wants tickets to the Rose Bowl? No, oh, that's not even a question. Come on. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's already going crazy. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering uh, how many uh, does uh, what allotment do the players get? I believe it's going to be six again. That's what I would assume. I hope so. I hope it's more, maybe. <laughs> So when you look back at this uh, season and how you got where you are, if somebody said, how did this happen? Why did Utah win the Pac-12 this year and not in other years when they had a chance to win the division and they didn't? Or the two times they won the division and they lost the conference title game. What's the difference? Um, you know, some people um, you know, believe it's you know, the hard work that we put in on, on the field and whatnot. Other people you know, will believe that we've been playing with uh, – 12, uh, 12 players on offense, 12 players on defense with Ty and Alo, and um, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like, you know, Ty and Alo have become a catalyst for our, you know, our work ethic. Uh, we already have had a good work ethic, but I feel like they've become a uh, catalyst and become, you know, something that we look look for on those hard days and those certain players, you know, who necessarily didn't, um, you know, I don't even say buy-in, but those, like, we needed an extra push. You know, Avon and Ty were there for them. And also just the culture, um, the leaders who came back, uh, the leaders that, you know, developed in the year. Um, it's just a combination of a lot of things. And I think that's what also really pushed us past that little bump in the room. 
As I look at your season, I think the turning point was halftime against ASU when you were down by 14 uh, at that point, and then you came out and dominated in the second half, and you've really been rolling since. As you look back, would you agree that was the turning point? Uh, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I have like I have a really good memory, but when it comes to football, I go I go short. Uh, you know, I, I go ahead and forget about the game and you know move on to the next game because that's how we've been coached. Uh, so I would have to go look at the film to be honest. Uh, I remember, you know. Uh, fundamentals and techniques that needed to be learned from that game, but I don't really remember the game as a whole. Um, so that's that's what I would say about that. I, you know, I definitely remember the lessons to learn from that game, but I wouldn't remember the game itself. Well, Kyle would definitely appreciate that, that you take a game, learn from it, and then just move on, win or lose. I'm sure he's been preaching that and all the assistants have been preaching that. So knowing that that's largely how it works for you, are there any exceptions? Is there stuff like, oh, I definitely remember this about this game oh yeah no there, there's definitely exceptions i would say you know the pac-12 championship this is for sure i mean all three of them i i remember almost every single play um there's a couple games this season you know like the sc game that's a little bit more memorable and stuff like that and um and and in every game there are a few plays that stick out to you um but yeah but i, I if it's the bigger games like you know the one that we just played then uh, you definitely remember basically the entire game. You're a thinking man, Nick. I think you've proven that throughout your time at Utah. And going the Rose Bowl is absolutely awesome. I mean, I grew up in Arizona, worked in California, so the Rose Bowl, to me, I've covered it. I've been there as a fan. It is, to me, the best of the best. At the same time, I think your team is obviously a lot better than it was in September. And... I would like to see an opportunity to compete for the grand prize, but with only four teams, I understand why they wouldn't let you in. Uh, Going forward here, as you age out of the college system, what would you like to see for a college playoff? Because I think if you had an automatic bid, uh, I like Utah's chances to advance, but you're not going to get that. So... Mm -hmm. What would be, and you're on the inside of it, what would you think would be the ideal setup for a playoff? Um, I think the expansion would be nice. You know, I mean, there's a lot of talented teams and there's a lot of teams. You know, we're we're a perfect example of, um, you know, somebody who has a shaky start and then who develops into a team you do not want to see at the end of the season. And um, that's that's the case for, you know, a few teams in the country. And, you know, it's sad to say, you know, there's four Fourteen and get, uh, but that's that's just how it's been. Um, you know, going on maybe the expanded playoffs will be cool. Um, I know the players would definitely be interested in that. You know, especially since there's some downtime in January. There's a little bit downtime every now and again. And I mean, we're already in pads with winter, uh, winter football, uh, spring ball, and all that stuff. So I mean, I mean, it's not going to be too much of a difference. Um, and you know, in terms of you know financial ability and stuff, I'm pretty sure universities can afford it. And not only that, it's bringing more revenue for yeah. those universities playing the next couple games. So, you know, I think it would be awesome. I think it would give more people opportunity. I think it would be uh, financially beneficial for universities and the conferences. And I also think that it you know, provide more entertainment. I think a lot of things would shake up very different because, you know, there's a lot of teams that everyone says, oh, this is a trap game and whatnot, but it's really just, you know, a good team that may have had like a shaky start or they have the athletes and the capability and they just really go out there and perform well. So 
I've heard a lot of different things over the years, and there are people who think, you know, 11-game seasons, 12-game seasons are enough for a college players' bodies. And then you hear people talking about 14, 15, possibly 16. You're an O-lineman. You're getting hit as much as anybody and hitting as much as anybody. How many games can a college football player play before that's just enough? Uh, well, I'll tell you this. A college football player, if they're – immature and not take care of their body and not listen to the older guys who try to teach them the way, they, they will not make it season. And the people who do take care of their bodies and whatnot, they'll, they'll be able to last a while. You know, it's not comfortable. I mean, my body definitely isn't comfortable right now. I got banged up, got injuries here and there, and, you know, that, that's not really a big deal. You, you kind of push through them. And that's what Coach always said. is the difference between being injured and being hurt. You know, there's some things that, you know, are going to be sore and, you know, you can't really, really hurt. So, I mean, that's that's that's, that's what I should say. I'm hurt. Um, I have people, uh, places on me that are hurt. I'm not injured. Um, so, if if you're responsible and you take care of your body, you're gonna last a while. You can go, you know, 14, 15 games if you need to. Um, but if you're immature, you don't listen to your teammates, your peers, and your elders who are trying to teach you the way. There's a lot of people who don't make it this season. And that's pretty much the gist of that. Well, Nick, since we're making you commissioner of college football, how about that overtime rule? I mean, I think it's ridiculous to have that two-point conversion. It just doesn't make any sense. Play the game. How about you? Uh, uh, we won the overtime this year, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even really looked into that rule. We've been into it that situation once. Um, I understand, you know, the NFL rule. Um, just because I'm watching NFL, but I understand that the you know the whole overtime in college football has changed, and I found that out on the fly uh, when we played San Diego State, and then no one else is. I don't think no one else really has looked into it that deep, um, which is something I definitely want to look into after season because I was so confused and I was like, okay, these are situational downs. Okay, I just go go out there and play that. <laughs> So would you go back to the uh, 25-yard line, four snaps? Did that work for you, or you got something else you want? Say that again? Would you go back to the rule the way it was a couple years ago where you got the ball at the 25-yard line and you had four downs? Oh, yeah, I like that rule. It was pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's basic football right there. You don't get the 25-yard line, go back and forth. <laughs> well, congratulations on the Rose Bowl and little, allow a little time so uh, – you get healthy again, so that'll be that'll be a positive. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you when the Rose Bowl gets closer. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Congratulations, Nick. Thank you. Have a good day. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. Join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. What a dream come true for Nick Ford. Growing up in San Pedro, my L.A. hometown. Not my hometown, but my L.A. hometown. You know, in the Rose Bowl, just... <laughs> That's the dream, and now they're living it. It really is, man. And to be living that dream and, you know, handing out roses. Kyle's wife came into the press conference with a bouquet of roses. I was able to run out on the street and buy some and give them to her. So she came in with that. I must have given it to her. But a bunch of people had the individual roses. Um, I, I wonder how much of it. I think people catch it here 
but how much of it is wow this is this is just incredible and i've spoken about it a million times on the air growing up in the phoenix area and then going my, it was my first year in california when i got the job and and lo and behold the devils won the conference i don't know how they did it and I'd be lying if I say I was a life-and-death fan uh, at the time, but I thought, well, okay, well, they're there. This is really cool. <laughs> you know, and I went, and it was better than I thought. And I wasn't the hardcore. I mean, I didn't grow up in Phoenix, you know what I mean? I wasn't. You came to it later in life. Yeah. You weren't the seven-year-old kid listening to games on the radio no, falling asleep. No, not at all. And, yeah. and my family didn't take me to games. Uh, oh, I, I did go to one ASU game uh, my first year living there because I didn't live with my parents right off the bat. I lived with my sister, my older sister. And so she all, and she couldn't have been more than 22 all of a sudden. But you know. she was grown up to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She <laughs> might as well have been 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was always my older sister. And so they wanted uh, to... Here I am. I'm 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 a Jersey kid with a Jersey attitude. I have a Jersey accent still, New York, which is basically New York accent. And I they my parents shipped me out because they had to wrap up things. So I I was living with my sister for several months before my parents moved out. And I don't know a soul, so I'm not exactly in the in you know the great situation here. Wondering what am I doing out here. And my parents aren't You're here. You're a total fish out of water. Yeah. So they take you to a game just for something to do and have some fun. Well, they fun know and... my interest. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they even, they put a, my brother-in-law at the time was not a sports fan whatsoever, but he was really handy. And he put a basket in the driveway. He mm-hmm. put it on the, the roof. You know, they were trying to do stuff for me big right. time. And looking back, it was obvious, you know, because I love sports. He's the transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember going, I don't remember who played, whatever, but I remember going to Sun Devil Stadium as like a 14-year-old thinking, eh, this, this is kind of cool. I mean, but I was a big NFL dude. <laughs> you know, not that I went to any NFL games. I didn't go to any NFL games. Uh, but so my point is, it's not like I was a hardcore live and die Sun Devil fan by any stretch, but I'm over there and they're playing 25 miles away and I graduated from the institution. So I thought, oh, what the heck? Plus, the sports editor got me free tickets. Nice. <laughs> he got me free tickets, a parking pass and a media credential. It would have been pretty weird if he hadn't gone at that point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So my wife and I, OK, well, we went. And it was way better than I could have imagined. And I wasn't even the hardcore. So for you folks, I know you appreciate it, but I wonder if you really appreciate it, like somebody like a Nick Ford who grew up in that area. Because to me, this is the pinnacle. And I'm, I'm the exception. I, I know that, but not quite, but I'd almost take the Rose Bowl over a playoff. But not quite. Not quite. But the playoff, you're voted. Nobody voted well, the Utes in. They gotta, freaking won it. So the, the weird way this system works now, you've got a one in three chance of winning the conference and not going to the Rose Bowl because it's a playoff. You also have a one in three chance of winning the conference like Oregon did and going to the Rose Bowl because it is a playoff. Oregon beat Florida mm-hmm. State sure, sure, in sure. a playoff game in the three o'clock window on New Year's Day, which would be the best of the best. Yeah. And the Hammer now reporting he can confirm that Cristobal is gone. There it is. Of course, he also said Kyle was gone. 
Yeah. I think Cristobal should have waited a little bit because then the Utah job is going to come open according <laughs> to the hammer. He's going home to Miami <laughs> for a gazillion dollars. Yeah, but this is the place. <laughs> Not for him. <laughs> Miami's a place for him. For Scali. <laughs> for Scali, this could be the place, you know. For Kalani, this could be the place. For Cristobal, this could not be the place. Okay, I heard multiple times when this Miami thing started going uh-huh. that Kalani will be a serious candidate in Oregon. That's got to make BYU fans nervous, but I think BYU fans are just going to have to be a little nervous and hope it works out. Well, it's a double-edged sword. You're only you're in only that position because you're winning. winning. Yeah. yeah. And when they go to the Big 12 and they're close enough, maybe that makes it a little easier to stay. But you never know. I mean, we can have all the assumptions in the world we want, but if we've learned anything watching the coaching carousel, we don't really know what's going to happen next. Well, And, and now, $95 million true, contracts sound normal, ah. but when we were sitting here a month ago, come on. And I, I, and I can report unequivocally that whatever Oregon offers Kalani, BYU will match. <laughs> I don't think right. you can. In spiritual blessings. In spiritual blessings. <laughs> In spirit dollars. <laughs> But the blessings. Yeah, how about the cash? But if this is the kind of job, and if we, you know, we assume what the offer will be for Oregon for whatever coach it is, this would be one that would, although it would suck, it would be easier to rationalize like, hey, BYU needs to step up, but everybody accepts there's a level that they're not going to. And the team's on that level, Oregon's going to be one of them. Oregon's just out there printing money, and it's just, Silly money. I guess if they told him, hey, you can do whatever you want, but we've guaranteed your place in heaven, maybe. That would be a good guarantee to get. I'd still want the cash. <laughs> I'd make heaven right here. You are such a mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. No, I'm you a realist. You want guarantee? I am a realist. You want guaranteed heaven. It's cash. And, and enough cash to build heaven right here. But other than that. I want heaven, but I want it now. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. It is time right now to bring in Rod Rex, although I'm not sure Rod wants to follow that. Rod, do you want to follow that or not? What are you thinking? Well, that's a a hard one to follow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So for uh, people who are looking to finance uh, homes or refinance homes, there are a lot of rules, and a lot of rules are changing. Explain to people what has changed, what's about to change, and uh, if this is the point you're at in life, there's a time you got to do this kind of stuff. Well, they're right at the point where everything's changing. Yeah. Speaking of getting the cash, this is definitely the time to get the cash uh, with mortgage rates, just really excellent right now with still in the twos on that 30-year term, in the ones on a 15-year or less term, and with homeowners having record equity right now. I mean, in the state of Utah, we had an average home price appreciation of 30% last year. So everybody's got equity in that house, so you can consolidate debt, get some cash out to do that remodel or do that addition you've been wanting to do. Uh, you can definitely tap into that cash, and you want to do it now because rates are moving up next year. So we can get you in $647,200. That's the new conventional loan limit. So right now, with all that home equity, extra low rates, and those new high loan limits, you want to get that cash out now. 
So the freedom loan and your low rate guarantee, how does how do those two things change things for people? Yeah, so the freedom loan is absolutely one of our most popular products. And the reason being is if you go to your bank, your credit union, or any other mortgage lender and get a quote from them, call us, get a quote. We can get you a freedom loan that'll cover all of your closing costs at the same or lower interest rate than you're getting from any other lender. I was just looking at the two largest credit unions here in the state. Our rates are a quarter percent lower than those credit unions. And so that's why we can get you a no-cost loan, cover 100% of the closing costs. And that's also why we have that $1,000 lowest rate guarantee, just because of our freedom to go shop the best lenders in the country and deliver you the lowest rate and fees. If you want to get a hold of Rod and LendWright Mortgage and get more information for your specific situation, you can reach them online right now at LendWrightMortgage.com. You can pick up the phone and call 801-APPROVE, 801-APPROVE or LendWrightMortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you, guys. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Fresh off a upset victory over BYU, in which UVU got the 72-65 victory in overtime. Mark Matson, head coach at UVU. This win and, and this moment, where does it rank? Well, I just think it was a special moment for our players to be able to play in front of their families, their parents. A packed UCCU center. The student body of UVU, which was just, they rushed the court. Pandemonium was breaking loose after the game. The joy could be felt in the arena. And, and so it was special in that sense. And for me personally, you know, my wife and daughter we're up there you know my daughter's four months old and her bedtime is 6 30 p.m but hannah my wife decided to bring her and so just to be able to share that with my wife and daughter meant a lot for me personally as well what kind of a show is this catch hans olsen and scotty g every day from noon to three on 97.5 1280 the zone powered by kslsports.com Picked up by Garland. Head fakes, drives to the late go bear, swatted it. Conley, three from the right side. Swish, Mike Conley. No, offensive rebound, Gobert spins back the lane, goes to the rack, and absolutely packed it with a left hand of viciousness. And the Jazz lead at 109-106. Garland shakes it, pull up mid-ranger, good. Eight seconds left, Garland resets with seven, Jazz by one. Garland dancing, fires, long three, no good. Rebound tipped around at the rim, horn sounds, Jazz win. Jazz 109-108 over Cleveland. A total nail-biter, or as some people refer to it, a knuckle-biter. It went right down to the bitter end. Cleveland missed the last shot, couldn't grab the rebound. It was pinging around in the paint on the floor, and the game ended, and the Jazz get the win. Got big stops at the end of the game. Cavs missed their last three shots. Any one of them would have put them in the lead. They didn't get them to go, and the Jazz win. Gobert, she's an absolute defensive monster. More impressed with the five blocks or the 20 rebounds? Nah, the rebounds don't... I don't. Nah, I can't say they don't do it for me because that's ridiculous. But the way the team is constructed, he's got to get the most of the rebounds. Yes, I so, agree with that. He doesn't. And, there's nobody he competes with for a rebound. Except in this game, and you always say the numbers are great, now tell me the story behind the numbers because not all numbers are created equal. This is a game where you got a lot of 6'10", 6'11 guys playing at the same time for Cleveland. There were a lot of competitive rebounds. There are nights that the other team's dropping everybody to stop the break and he's not competing with guys but I mean and he grabs rebounds. Team. Yeah, 
Bogey's not a rebounder. No, I get that. O'Neal's That's all true. He's in for 6-4. But you're competing with the other team's guys, and I think Cleveland's got yeah, the size you, to go rebound. Yeah, but if you box out, you've got a distinct advantage. But you're not going to get a clean box out every time. That would be the dream, but it just doesn't happen. And sometimes you got to battle, like they did on the last possession, where no one got the rebound. That was probably a team rebound, because I don't think anybody had the ball and the clock went off. Well, yeah, but everybody was jammed up. There was no need mm-hmm. to worry about getting back on defense. Uh, and so. you usually have to work for the offensive rebounds. Those once in a while you get an easy offensive rebound, but you don't tend to get a lot of. No, them. He's a fine rebounder. I'm not going to. Twenty is a big number. But but Wilt was averaging thirty. <laughs> well, Wilt was also an impressive rebounder, and plus the shooting percentages were. Different. Did you know during the streak when they won their 33 games in a row, he once had a triple double in which he scored two points? No, I did not know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Block shots or turnovers. That's no, where people oh, no, always no, make the no, jump. No, no, block no, shots. No, no, no. Real, not a negative. Not, not a negative one. Yeah. Block shots, assists, assists and, and rebounds. Yeah. And I, I think he had like 30 in one of them. Uh, to me, and I don't even get excited about block shots because so many of your defensive stops and just ability to stop teams from scoring, it, you have to watch the game. If you watch the game, watching the game, watching the last two minutes of that game. I mean, I watch more of it, but I'm just focusing on that. Yeah, but you're talking about Mike Conley didn't block a shot, but he stayed between his man and the bucket at all times. Yeah, and guys know, I can't go to the lane on this guy. So he's in your head before you even attempt to move. Absolutely. Before you step on the court, your you game plan for him. Bear yeah. is there. You could see it with uh, a Garland. doing. He was, and he was really fantastic. Doing the turnaround, he'd get in the lane and then turn around and fade away, a la Michael Jordan. Why? Because Gobert's there. So even when he's doing nothing, he's still intimidating and having an presence. He really is a phenomenal defensive player, and it's fun to see. All the glory goes to the scorers and all. But Gobert, the way I look at it, you know, what is your value to winning? That's where I'm at. His value to winning is high. Yeah. Especially at the pro level. What's your value to winning? What do you do to help the team win? Well, Gobert does as much as anybody. And I can argue he does as much as anybody in the league. Not just to the team, but in the league. Hence all the Defensive Player of the Year awards. Recognizing his value to winning. Yeah. In Phoenix, they're running around. Mikhail Bridges should be Defensive Player of the Year. Because he... Stifled Steph Curry. I got a bone to pick with them guys. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to go to the gym today and listen to it. And for the two and a half minutes out of the four hours that they don't talk Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they know where their bread is buttered, and it's the National Football League. It's probably less irritating this year because the Cardinals are 10-2. and two. they got the best record in the NFL. They're not talking about some team with young guys that maybe could catch fire that's a couple games sure. under 500. Oh, yeah, two, which, deserve it. Which they were doing a few Best years ago. Best record in the league, yeah. Yeah, I once texted Ryan Hatch, who's the big boss down there. I am so sick of you guys talking uh, who is uh, Mike Upati's backup. And he was like the offensive guard. I just, I can't handle it anymore. I'm out. <laughs> Especially when they're like four and eight. You know, you know what I mean? At least this year you're on to something. Yeah, and it looks like, well, certainly looks like they would make the playoff. They'd have to have an absolute collapse. So the Jazz win and open the four-game road trip with the victory. The Warriors beat the Suns Friday. Then the Warriors lost Saturday. So both those teams now on four losses. Jazz 
three games behind those two. They're nine, they're both 19 and 4 now, tied for the best record in the NBA. And the Jazz are 16 and 7, tied with the Brooklyn Nets for the third best record in the NBA. They're in a good spot. Still a long, long way to go, but they're in a good spot right now. Just continue to play and you know, seeding matters to an extent, but it's not like it isn't overcomable. Nor is it a guarantee of success either. But, you know, what you don't want, you, you don't want the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard coming back or something in the first <laughs> so, round. You know what I mean? Right. You want, you want Memphis. Well, the games could be tight, but the 4-1 isn't very tight. If the Jazz are going to hang with the Suns and Warriors in the way they've started, one becomes a little more valuable just because then you don't have the till, two killer playoff series back-to-back, presumably. And it's like you say, there's no guarantee that in a 2-3 series, one team doesn't dominate the other and blow through it. But looking at the West right now, it feels like who's ever won would have an easier matchup in the second round. And maybe they wouldn't. You don't know injuries, individual matchups, how teams are playing at the time. But right now, Memphis is fourth, and they're only three games over five hundred. But I could feel all sorts of positive if the Jazz finish third, if they're playing well. And the other teams just happen to play a little bit better. Because at that point, if they face, if they finish third and face Phoenix or Golden State in the second round... Okay. You're playing well. We're playing well. May the best team win. Well, if it's two, it can only be better. If you want, you know, you, if you want to be correct. Well, ultimately, it'd be three. No, no. I no. was implying one. No, you weren't. You're right, I wasn't. <laughs> but I tried anyway. You, you <laughs> can't be as a man. Once I came out of the womb and my little feet touched. Jersey soil. <laughs> that was it. So it wasn't the linoleum in the hospital. They had to actually hit the dirt. Right. Okay. Once, That's once important I to know. put my toes I want in to the know. dirt. I want to know biologically how that works. And I can't explain it. It's like obscenity. I can't explain it, but, <laughs> but I, know I know it when I see it. Yeah. You're a Supreme Court judge. You can't BS a jersey, <laughs> a particularly a North Chief S- Justice Kinahan is South Jersey's a little softer. But North Jersey, you just can't <laughs> Wait, a minute. These Wait a minute. You've been telling us Jersey all this time. Now you're calling out half a Jersey. I am. <laughs> but if you'd been there, you would know. Those Philly Jersey folk are not as tough as your New York Jersey folk. They're not. Folk. They're not. <laughs> they, the there's, and line. I spent a lot of time in both places because my sister lived down there. Uh, and that's the shore that I and went it, to. And it's got dialed down 5 or 10% when you went down there. Yeah, it, it, it's true. <laughs> and nothing against them. They're just a little softer. It's a different vibe like Southern California, Northern California. It's still California, but there's a different vibe. Not as quite, but yeah. Okay, but they're also further apart. For, that's that's where I was going. It's a solid six, six seven, seven hour hours, drive. Yeah, as opposed to two yeah, or an right. hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so there's some of the NBA stuff we were talking about. Uh, college basketball got totally uh, blotted out by college football. Weber State stayed undefeated, 8-0, and the Utes got a win in the Pac-12. They beat Cal. You know what I thought was funny? Uh, and I actually watched it a little bit Saturday night. Um, Alabama beat Gonzaga. Yeah, I know. Gonzaga got a second loss in three games. And it was, uh, I think it was in Seattle. Uh, I think that's where they played the game. And after the game, there was a kid, I think, was waving. Alabama kid was waving to the crowd. You know, they do that nonsense and whatever. But the kid's name was Britton Johnson Yeah, for Alabama. <laughs> so did you text Britton Johnson? I didn't. Oh, it, you should have. But it was spelled, oh, traditional. The Johnsons, our Johnsons, have the E at, at the end And this of was it. S-O-N. Yeah. And yeah. they're S-E-N. Yeah. yeah. All right, the big football news. Alabama. 
looking so vulnerable game after game and looking very vulnerable against Auburn. Did they get like 10 transfers? What happened? Because that team, that was dynamite. Those guys, I don't know, something about December, Bama gets a lot better. They weren't that good in November. Absolutely dominant. Bryce Young looked like uh, as good a quarterback as I've seen in college. I mean, just a singular game. Yeah. But man, he looked awesome. Picked up where he left off in that last drive. He didn't look great against Auburn, but that last drive in regulation against Auburn, he got it done, going 97 yards. He looked overwhelming. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. We are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioner. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. I hoped it would be. Guys, Mickey Couture wants to help you out this holiday season with the perfect gift, he says, ignoring PK. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50% and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. You Okay. <laughs> Yes. Were you just messing with Jake out there? <laughs> Still entertaining yourself? Yeah, big time. You get all defensive, man. Jake and Ben are coming up next. It's the constant personal attacks. That's how you do I it. I know, but I didn't even do it this time, and he just went on. I didn't. There's. I hit a sore spot that I didn't even know existed. Now that I know it existed, I'll hit it more. Lots of talk about bowl games. Good bowls, bad bowls, big wins. Greg says the Utes' domination of the Ducks was a work of art. Rising, stiff-arming Sewell to the turf was a symbolic statement of the season. Go Utes! Sewell, who's going to transfer to play with his brother next year? <laughs> you ready for the uh, Nakua Brothers Part 2? Yeah, it wouldn't be two going. I saw on Twitter that Samson was down in Vegas, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, Puka was down there, too. Of course they would be, man. And of course, why wouldn't they want those guys to win? He played on the team. He went to play down there for his bro- with his brother. And he's, he didn't harbor any animosity towards Utah. It was dumb. That was a controversy a couple weeks ago, and it was stupid. Tom says, uh, BYU agreed to play in the Independence Bowl before the season. They screwed themselves. Well, they also agreed to an out to get into a New Year's Six before the season. I don't think that they screwed themselves. I think it was a decision that they made to go independent. They had to go independent back then. They knew the bowl situation was going to be shaky at best, and it has been shaky. And, you know, Utah was playing in the fight craft hunger bowl. So let's not go crazy here. It just so happens that this is the year they're going to the Rose Bowl. And the very year that they lost to BYU, which is all sorts of, I don't know, ironic's probably not the right word, but 
The good thing about it is for the Cougars is it's coming to an end. Go yep. ten and two, uh, and you get in a good bowl game. But Baylor, what's Baylor playing in? Uh, what's 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 Baylor's bowl? Sugar, yeah, sugar, because they won the thing. And how about Grime Dog? Way to go! So Going to the Sugar Bowl to play Ole Miss. So happy for him. He's a great, great guy. I've known him for years, and he deserves an opportunity to be a head coach. And and maybe it'll happen with Aranda moving on at some point. I don't know, or maybe he'll have to move on. Dana says uh, all this ranking stuff, imagine slide, haha, just wait. If BYU pummels UAB, the Cougars will finish top 10, maybe even higher. They moved them down so they didn't have to deal with putting them in a different bowl game. I don't know that, that those two things go together. They could have just put them higher and not put them in a better bowl game. Yeah, that's not the, the ranking focus. Doesn't not, lock you into anything. And they're not responsible for bowl situations. Is is that bowl that much different than the one in Phoenix? Yes. The Fiesta Bowl versus no, the no, Independence no, no, Bowl. No, 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 not the Fiesta Bowl. No, the other guaranteed bowl. Oh, <laughs> yes, no. Well, you the said Fiesta the one in Phoenix. Bowl. Oh, yeah, but that's in Glendale. Okay. <laughs> that's why the burbs I, matter to the locals. To me, it's all just. I Phoenix. got it. I got. It. I should have been. More I, I drive from Scottsdale to Tempe. I don't even know. I understand. I, I, I'm sure I crossed some street and it changed. But Scottsdale I don't know. Road. Well, once you get into Phoenix, it's uh, the Tempe. It's called rural, but then when you pass, it's called Scottsdale, which okay. I don't understand. It's the same. It's the same road. It's just flat of changes names. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know why they do that. No, I meant that that other bowl, not the Fiesta. Oh. I mean, you got me. Uh, that's um, it, probably a little better. I mean, it would have been a little better for fans to go. There's fans in Arizona who would go. But sure, as far as the I'm quality of the, the opponent, only a little. Not, And as far as the national recognition, zero. Hey, Shreveport, they've got a ton of Chick-fil-A's and Waffle Houses. And I just looked it up. Their, their stats for the crime rates are just through the roof. Like 149% higher than the national average. All right, Cougar fans, watch where you go. Watch what you do. <laughs> Apparently there's and crime everywhere. in 2007, they adopted a saggy pants law, which... 14 years ago. How's that worked out? I don't know. I haven't followed it up. I just did a little, quick little Wikipedia because a friend of mine made a comment. He texted me, well, like Lavelle said, it's better to lose in Shreveport than win in Pasadena. And then he said, oh, wait, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to give him some positives about Shreveport. And that was a negative. I didn't realize there was. But the weather's weather's nice. I mean, the average high in December is like 60. So probably going to get some decent weather. Well, that's good. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing better than turning on a bowl game and seeing the snow swirling. Well, nothing worse is what you meant. Sarcastically, yes, that is what I meant. So if you do happen you're to not, go... You're not going to Fenway or Yankee Stadium and really rolling the dice. That's right. where Virginia's playing with Bronco, Fenway. Who are they playing? They're playing SMU without Sunny Dykes. Ah, oh, the Methodists and the Mormons. I like it. One coach gone and the other coach on his way out the door. Oh, we'll uh-huh. see if Bronco can run his record to one and one in those situations. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to... Bring in Rod right now. He's been with us all morning long. Rod Rex from 
Lendright Mortgage, and the rules are changing. Mortgages, it's a lot of money, and I think most people, our heads just spin. But you do it all the time, so that keeps you a little more grounded. You're following the rules. They're changing. What do people need to know? Yeah, the thing you need to know right now is we can get you a conventional loan limit. Uh, those just got increased by almost 100000 so the conventional loan limit for 2022, which Lendright Mortgage can get you today and close it before the end of the month is $647,200. So last year was about 550. Uh, so we had a, almost a hundred thousand dollar increase. So instead of doing a jumbo loan in that range, now you can get a conventional loan with a lower rate and fees. The other thing you want to do is equity is at record highs for all of our homeowners here in Utah. So there's no better time to tap that equity before rates jump next year and get that cash out to do the debt consolidation, pay your home off sooner, pay off credit card debt, auto loans, or get some cash out to do the remodel or home addition. So now's the time to act because we still have fixed rates on 30-year terms in the twos. And if you're looking for a 15-year or less, those rates are still in the ones. If you want to get a hold of Rod right now, you can find him online, LendRightMortgage.com, or on the phone at 801-APPROVE, 801-APPROVE, or LendRightMortgage.com. Rod, thanks a lot. Thanks for letting me be with you today. DJ PK, we are out of here, and Jake and Ben are coming up next.